This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. And I'm Scott. Hello, I'm Marissa. Hi, I'm Will. And we're going to talk about the Anubis Gates, a 1983 time travel fantasy novel by Tim Powers. Won some awards. Oh, yeah. It got an audiobook uh, re- read by Bronson Pinchot. And we're going to talk about it. Who is, it. I, I'm going to say, the best narrator there is. Right, I agree. He, he, he's, so he's good. good. He's in the he's in the small group of narrators. Like, oh, he's he's narrating that. It's going to be awesome. He's yeah. he's good. Yeah. He's, he's good for favorite. sure. He's very act. He's very actor good. Like he he can play all the accents and the voices and the emotions and all that stuff. But I I kind of like just straight readings. <laughs> you know, like just some guy reading a book too. And we you know like. Grover Gardner is not doesn't have a massive range, but he's a no, traditional no, audiobook he, he's narrator. He's I, absolutely I solid, and his voice is like, you know, Bronson Pinchot's voice is anything, right? He can he can do any voice. He, he's, a, his, he's a chameleon. Yes. yes. Yeah, and his timing is freaking amazing. Like I've read a book and then heard him narrate it, and like the way he does like the timing and the pauses yeah. and the humor and stuff, just like makes the book so much better for me yeah no it's definitely you know his his uh his best self when he's narrating for sure um i was teasing will i I like him i like him a lot i think that my favorite might be jonathan davis jonathan davis is great Mm. yeah yeah i do like him too and he's a nice guy too um yeah i was i was teasing will i i was somehow looking through my phone for some phone number and uh, I noticed, <laughs> I said, I sent Will a screenshot on my phone. I said, uh, you better be nice to me. I've got Bronson Pinchot on speed dial. <laughs> and there was like a little icon with his face on it, um, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, I, I don't know. I, I was not looking for it. I was just looking for something else. But it, he narrates a lot of audiobooks is what it is. So Mostly mm-hmm. fiction. I mean, I, look, I was looking yeah. to see how much nonfiction he does. He's done some, but not a lot. You know, for it, you know anyone for who doesn't know who he is, he's um Balky from Perfect Strangers. It doesn't sound like Balky. Well, it doesn't sound like him. Bal- yeah, Balky from Perfect Strangers is is you know that's a little far in the past. The slightly more recent he's famous for is those Beverly Hill Cop movies. He he played the sidekick to Axel Foley. Um, ah. you you have you yeah. seen those yet? What's funny is both of those shows, he plays like an Eastern European guy, right? And in the second one, uh, Axel Foley, he's, he's he's supposed to be gay, I think. So he's he's like Axel Foley. <laughs> Anyways, um, he also had he has a or had a TV show uh, called the Bronson Pinchot Project, which was basically him uh, doing home re- not repairs, but uh, renovations for a whole town, and uh, I don't know what channel that was what? on. What? Yeah. <laughs> really? Well, I hadn't heard of that. I know. I was surprised about it myself, but uh, wow. Turns out that that that's what he's doing when he's not narrating audiobooks. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so, Marissa, this is uh, you. You were saying this was your your pick. You wanted to do this. 
Yeah, me and Scott um, mm-hmm. tried it. So yes. what made and, it? And I said yes, please. What made it pop into it, your mind as a as a good idea? Um, for me, it was just because everyone has recommended this book to me for a very long time, and it was sitting on my shelf forever. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. the stack of to be reads, the stack of of books we should read. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this is not my first Tim Powers. Um, Will is this your first Tim? It's it's my first Tim, I must say. What do you think? What did you think? Yeah. You know, there's there's an addictive quality to mm. this book. I don't can't quite put my finger on it. I think it's the you know, there's two things going on. Um one is that there's always something happening that's like like you know, there's nothing there's nothing boring that happens in this book. It's just it's just like one big thing after the other. Um, and then, you know, if like something bad is going to happen to the protagonist, then it's like, it happens, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I really, I really appreciated both of those things about the book that it's like, you know, it's like, Oh, uh, I'm not going to get stuck in time. Oh, I'm stuck in time. Oh, I'm like, not going to like become like, like, I'm not going to age 20 years in the like next two days because my life is so bad. Oh, I am. I'm going to blow my <laughs> ear off now. Yeah, just body parts just disappearing. Yeah, okay. and then my body's going to get taken over by, like, a wizard, and, um, <laughs> like, it's I'm going to get kidnapped and multiple times. You know, what's, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to get murdered. <laughs> and there's a clown. Yeah, the clown and is good, too. There's an evil clown. Mm-hmm. Evil clown who lives in the sewers and gutters. Yeah. I read a review. I read a review of this that in the title of the review it, it called it generous. Mm, I, generous I liked that book. word. It was like mm, yeah. everything's in here. It, it's like he didn't hold back anything. Yeah, um, I think that which was very cool. Yeah. Wait, why did you want to read it, Scott? Had you read it before? Um, I, I had read part of it before, but I never had finished it. Um, I can't remember why I didn't finish it. Probably just because I had other things to do, but. Tim Powers is just a favorite. You know, I love Last Call. I love Declare. This yeah, is just one of the books. Was it on the Declare show that we decided to do this, maybe? No. No, that's so long mm-hmm. ago. That's 2017. Um, oh. Yeah. Not, it's not long since we did Declare. Wow. Yeah, episode 450. Yeah, and a long I just, time ago. Uh, Tim Powers is just, I just li- like him a lot. He's kind of Gene Wolfish, I guess. Um, it feels like the same subgenre, kind of. But they. Uh, you know, th- th- this book is crazy, you know, and he, I, I like how he, he seems to find these little gaps in history and then he'll write a supernatural explanation for whatever this little oddity mm-hmm. might be. And then, um, that seems to be what he does, uh, to, to bring his books together. Mm. Um, but, but things like, you know, on Stranger Tides, he would, the stuff that he would bring in there from like Homer's Odyssey, and, and, um, you know, in last call, it was the Fisher King and here it's Egypt. Um, just totally enjoyable. Um, on stranger yeah. ties had some, uh, Oh, what's the voodoo. I was <laughs> trying to think of the name of it. Uh, voodoo, some voodoo magic and stuff in it. Um, just, uh, I just like what he brings to the table. Yeah. I was going to say, I forgot as well. Um, aside from people recommending him, I'd gone, to like one of those science fiction conferences, I think it was World Fantasy, mm-hmm. and he, he was speaking on a couple of panels, um, which I went to see because I knew he was a friend of Philip K. Dick, so I was like, oh, cool, I'll just check this guy out. And he was so entertaining on those panels. Yeah. He had so many crazy stories, and his ma- like 
he's just like such an entertaining person. So mm-hmm. they also was like, okay, I've got to read his books because. I was thinking great short stories too. I was thinking exactly that, Marissa. I was thinking, you know what I would really like? I would really like to have this book not be fiction. Just have him talking about all the stuff that he's researched <laughs> and like. I just uh, like the plot stuff in here. I was like, oh, I kind of, kind of like uh, Will sort of pointed at it. I can see everything that's coming, you know. Yeah. He he, he and so some reviewers were saying like, um, this is great for readers because it allows us to participate in the in the book, and there's a kind of uh, role playing game style adventure. And uh, and in another review. Somebody said that the the plot will be ripped off many times for you know sort of Call of Cthulhu like games because there's it's it's very idea based the, 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 the body switching for one thing yeah and I mean body switching wizard who can't touch the earth because it hurts him like that is so so Call of Cthulhu yeah there's a lot of um, potential there for ripping it off and using it as a great campaign um because it it's more setups than it is payoffs in a certain sense mm-hmm. um but i i just kept thinking 15 hours this is a this is a big long book i, I last week i did a 15 hour book that was a big long book another 15 yeah, hour that book that's a big long book well yeah, yeah. Uh, i can i can wow. I, I can see what you're saying about it well, it's still 15 hours, and I feel like if this had been just him, you know, writing up historical connections and things that are interesting, like, he he's obviously obsessed with this stuff, right? Like, the, every time you read one of his books, it's basically yeah, him well, you, enjoying he's history. With, um, yeah, he's obsessed, it, but it's, it's broad, you know, his books aren't. His books are similar in that he's kind of doing the same thing, like, again, finding a time in history to write about. That's right. Like, Declare was Cold War. Um, you know, this is uh, mo- basically the 1800s, right? And then um, Last Call was in Las Vegas, um, I'm going to say 50s, 70s. 60s. Yeah, 60s, 60s 70s. Yeah, yeah so, um, so he's... He's similar in the way that he's going about his thing, but he's He's doing all this different stuff in him, and, and it always involves some supernatural, it always involves some magic, but the magic is often different. He's not writing the same books over and over. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he's but not. he's kind of got the but same kind of Same obsession. Over, same obsession. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. what, we're, what we're getting is the Tim Power genre. <laughs> Tim Power's yeah, genre. Well, and, I would agree with that. And the, I, I can't it, think of anybody else that's similar. It's his writing strategy. Um that I think is a similarity then. I haven't read his other books, but I was listening to an interview with him where he was saying that he approaches every book the same way, where he does all the research first, mm-hmm. um, finds all the interesting weird facts and inconsistencies that he can, and then he builds the plot like to that string of history, but right. he never thinks of a plot and characters and then tries to fit the history to it, you know? Like, yeah, no, it, and it works, that w- it works much better that way, I think. Cause yeah, that's the, really cool. And then how he drops in, like in this book, you know, William Ashbless in history, but that's not a real person, right? Yeah. Um, and how it's he's all entwined with the real, you know, Coleridge and everybody in that time. Did, it's, it's so slick. I love it. Did you, did you know as well that William Ashbless is in all of his books? Yeah, he's like um, 
you know, Dean Koontz does a similar thing. He has a thing called the Book of Counted Sorrows, uh-huh. which he quotes all the time, you know, in those opening quotes and things. Oh, that's but so cool. I know Powers does that. Um, he'll put a Ashbus quote to open a novel or something. Yeah, and he said that he puts them in there often as well, but under like slightly different names. Like he'll use like a different language or something to um, hide that it's William Ashbus. But he said it's like a good luck charm that he puts in every book. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Let me. Um, now I got to look for that. Now I got to read them all again. For me. Yeah, for you. Have any of you read The Stress of Her Regard? No, I haven't read oh. that one. Okay, so this is the other one set at about the same time period. It basically has a has a doctor basically running around with Keats, Byron, and Shelley and fighting a vampire across Europe at about the same time cool. as Ashbless is doing this stuff. So, mm-hmm. so uh, apparently he was really obsessed with the romantic poets, and they got not one but two different novels out of it. Let me let me read the William Ashbless uh, Wikipedia entry because. I had not. I, I, I'm fairly familiar with the Romantic poets. Uh, being a poetry fan is pretty unusual, and I I've read like a lot of their poems. Um, one of the things that this book is not is really a romantic poem. <laughs> it's all almost all city based, right? And when it isn't, it's you know very near the city. Um, and romantics are you know they go for walks out in the countryside, so. It's more um, that, but this is this is pretty funny. It's from the Wikipedia entry for William Ashbless. Uh, so uh, the reason I brought that up is just to say um, I was pretty sure he was not a real person, um, considering I'd never heard of him uh, as a real romantic poet. And so I was fairly certain early on in the book that uh, William Ashbless was either going to be a character who is just a stand-in for another romantic poet that he can kill off or it was going to be some sort of time travel and you know it eventually we have that scene where he's waiting in the in the tavern for william ashbless to show up and he's right on time and he's not there and he's afternoon and he just wastes some time and he writes down the poem that he's memorized that 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 generous quote that uh will brought up that's what i'm talking about with this book sort of being kind of predictable. But this this is really hilarious. Listen to this. Uh, William Ashbless, fictional poet invented by fantasy writer James Blaylock and Tim Powers. And if you remember the name of the ship that uh, that uh, our hero was so, claimed to... Claims to be on claimed to, Blaylock. Yeah. No, no. He, he claimed to be on some other ship. And he says... The, the, well, and then and said, oh, if you said the Blaylock... Had you said the Blaylock, yeah. It's a little, yeah. little tip of the hat there. Ashbless was invented by Powers and Blaylock when they were students at Cal State Fullerton in the early 1970s. And if you remember, our narrator is a professor from Cal State Fullerton. Uh, Originally as a reaction to the low quality of poetry being published in the school magazine, they invented nonsense free free verse poetry and submitted it to the paper in Ashbless's name, where it was reportedly enthusiastically accepted. The college paper printed poetry, and it was close enough to the 60s that the poetry was just horrible free verse about children and flowers and rainbows. So we figured we could write poetry that would sound very pretentious, uh, but be, in fact be meaningless. We needed a name for our poet and came up with Ashbless. The paper published them, so we wrote another uh, another lot that was dumber, and they wanted to publish that. We said Ashbless was hideously deformed and couldn't attend any readings or meetings. <laughs> 
but he had given us these poems to read in his stead. Blaylock and I would often break out laughing in the middle of reading them, which often, uh, which people thought was very insensitive of us to be laughing at the poetical efforts of our deformed friend. <laughs> Ashbless is, however, uh, that's Tim Powers uh, talking about. Ashbless is, however, best known as his incarnation of the 19th century poet in the guise he appears in the Nubis Gates, 1983, and lesser character Blaylock's, uh, the, uh, it's a lesser character in Blaylock's, uh, The Digging Leviathan. So that is, priceless right and play playing that way obviously he's enjoying himself immensely um there is a bit of william ashbless poetry in in the book but i didn't have the paper book so i couldn't like do the scan lines on it i could only hear bronson pinchot but it what it sounded to me like was it was good fake romantic poetry um but not having the actual text i couldn't see where all the jokes were. I didn't go back and rewind. Does anybody happen to have that, uh, the paper book handy? I do have the paper book. So that's, I don't know, about a third or so into the book? (coughs) Chapter four or five? I don't know, something like that. Yeah, so I do have it here. Um, I don't know how you could find it, but... Uh, Find which... Uh, so that so, like at the very opening, at the very opening, there's a quote. Should I read it? No. Well, you can. But I was thinking of. Well, remember in the tavern, he writes uh, William okay. Ashbless's famous poem, right? And then the the narrator gives us the last stanza or something like that. And it's, yeah, yeah I, I'm putting you a task, but basically spin through the book, see if there's a, a bit of poetry standing out. I think there's some opening and closing quotes for every uh, uh, opening for every chapter. Is there one? There's not that many chapters. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's an opening for every chapter, but it's not always Ash Bliss. No, no, it's usually it's real. Like there's a lot of Tennyson. Yeah, like yeah, Mm -hmm. the the prologue. Yeah, Lord Lord Byron. (laughs) Yeah. Um, chapter one is Marcus Aurelius of all things, but he's talking about the river of life, so that makes sense, etc. I'm just looking at the Kindle preview. I was able to get only chapter chapter one. I don't actually own this. The other thing that I was thinking oh. about um, this, uh, it seemed to me like the whole plot was kind of uh, not the plot, the whole frame of the river being frozen. Um, with a shotgun pattern in it. Um, it -hmm. seems to me like I I kept thinking about Kublai Khan, the poem. You guys know this poem? It's pretty famous. Yeah. I've got it here. You're supposed to think of that because, you know. Yeah, but like specifically, like, I was thinking, I haven't read it. Ace of Ice? Well, yeah, like, so there's some. Notice in the the novel, I, I bet Will noticed this. Um, there's a guy gets, somebody gets drowned at least three times in the river and they they come up from the bottom of the river and they climb up on the shore that like i'm not speaking metaphorically i'm speaking literally it actually happens in the book that somebody's in the river and then they come out of the river right Mm -hmm. as if they're drowning um so that is one of the images in kublai khan i'll just read that here since i've got it this is from the original text um i think in Xanadu did Kublai Khan a stately pleasure dome decree, where Alf, 
the sacred river ran through caverns measureless to man down to a sunless sea. So twice five miles on fertile ground with walls and towers were girdled round, and here were gardens bright with sinuous rills where blossomed many an incense-bearing tree. And here were forests ancient as the hills and folding sunny spots of greenery. But oh, that deep romantic chasm which slanted down the green hill athwart a cedarn cover, a savage place, a holy enchanted as error beneath a waning moon was haunted by woman wailing for her demon lover. And from this chasm, with ceaseless turmoil seething, as if the earth in fast thick pants were breathing, a mighty fountain momently was forced, amid whose swift haft interment, sorry, intermitted burst, huge fragments vaulted like bound, rebounding hail or chaffy grain beneath the thresher's flail, and mid these dancing rocks at once and er, ever it flung up momently the sacred river. Five miles meandering with a mazy motion through the wood and dale the sacred river ran, then reached the caverns measureless to man, and sank in tumult to a lifeless ocean. And mid this tumult Kubla, Kubla heard from far ancestral voices prophesying war. The shadow of the dome of pleasure floated midway on the waves, where was heard the mingled measure from the fountain and the caves. It was a miracle of rare device, a sunny pleasure dome with caves of ice, a damsel with a dulcimer in a vision once I saw. It was an Abyssinian maid, and her dulcimer, and on her dulcimer she played, singing of Mount Abora. Could I revive within me her symphony and song? To such a deep delight twould win me that with the music loud and long I would build the dome in air, that sunny dome, those caves of ice, and all who heard should be should see them there, and all should cry, Beware, beware, his flashing eyes, his floating hair. Weave a circle round him thrice, and close your eyes with holy dread, for he on honeydew hath fed, and drunk the milk of paradise. So, that milk of paradise, um... The juice of the poppy, the milk of the poppy. Yep. Right. We have that scene in here. Um, I, I kept expecting that uh, Samuel Taylor Coleridge in this book would like have some experience of what Tim Powers's uh, explanation for time travel is, and then that would uh, inspire this poem. But I also kept expecting the. Uh, the visitor from Porlock, the guy who interrupts this dream poem that he was writing, composing, and then right. fucked it up. You expecting the, the, the visitor to show up and find out who he is? Yeah, and I thought that that would be our our uh, narrator viewpoint character, right? <laughs> he accidentally fucks it up, right? But uh, so not everything that I expected happened, but um, there's there is some stuff in here, and going back to the opening. Um, it opens in Egypt, right? And then we go to I Egypt. I did find that, Jesse. Oh, did you? you? Want me to read it. Yeah, please. Yep. Okay. So I'll just start with the paragraph in front of it. Please. It says, An idea struck him, and he stopped a boy and asked him for a pencil and some sheets of paper. And when it arrived, he began to write out from memory the entire text of the 12 hours of the night. 
in composing the original PL, PMLA article on Ashbless's work, and later while writing the biography. He had read the poem hundreds of times, and in spite of his sick dizziness, he had no difficulty in remembering every word. By 12.30, he was scribbling the somewhat awkward final eight lines. And here's the poem. He whispered, and a river lies between the dusk and dawning skies, and hours are distance measured wide along that transnocturnal tide. Too doomed to fear, lost to all need, these voyagers blackward fast recede, where darkness shines like dazzling light throughout the 12 hours of the night. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it is it is also inspired by the plot that he doesn't know about yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's kind of fun. Which is, yeah, fantastic, yeah. Yeah. And uh, one, of, one of the things that you wouldn't get um, in... If if Powers had written this book as just like uh, here's some interesting historical facts about um, Egypt and uh, interesting historical facts about England in uh, these periods, is you wouldn't have any ability to do this meta stuff. So at one point, our hero ex- uh, declares, <laughs> exclaims that the poem that he knows as William Ashbless. Asplash's poem was invented by no one and written by no one, right? Mm-hmm. And that's true. It's very all you zombies. Yes, it's, it's like, very who, traditional. Who Nobody did traditional time travel fun stuff, right? But because we can then close that page and look at the cover of the book and see the name Tim Powers on the front of it, we can know that it was written by somebody. And so there's that there's that meta play that. I think is really why this book works. Uh, to me, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like this is a wonderful, wonderful book that everybody should read. It was fun, absolutely, but it's got it's got that playfulness that if you enjoy a good long read that's playful and and uh, does a bunch of stuff that you know, if you like role playing games and magic and that sort. Of, why wouldn't you want to read this? It's good. Right? It has that. Yeah, it's so entertaining. It, it absolutely that's what it is. Entertaining. I kept yeah, I kept like it's long, but I didn't I was just like skating through it. Yes. It's just so that's fun. right over that ice. <laughs> Watch out for the pitfalls. Yeah. <laughs> right? Or, or the ice of the frost fair in sixteen eighty four. I mean I mean on, on this reread if I had if I had to criticize a section, I think the 17th century trip going back is a is slightly yeah. weaker than yeah. the rest of the book. I don't think that we we don't quite get I because mean, he mentions the Duke of Monmouth, but he doesn't actually explain what they're doing back then, why how they're trying to change history there. I mean, in the 19th century, it's clear they're they're, try, they're going to try to try to use Byron to uh, overthrow, make the British government go kaput. But the 17th century, unless you know about the Duke of Monmouth's rebellion, and even then. You don't know what this guy has to do with it at all to bolster it. So it's kind of, I mean, it's fun that he goes back to 17th century. We get a frost fair on the, on the ice because, you know, little ice age, but it's not the strongest part of the book. And that, I noticed it's not, not as strong as the rest of the book on this reread. I, th- I think the, the reason it's not so strong is because it's not a whole other book, right? It, so we, we yeah you probably could have a whole book that's the thing is it's dangerous to do these things right because it just makes it longer and longer and I know 
that like I was just looking around for different covers and I found like, oh, there there are other stories that are set in this universe, right? Like he's written short stories that fit into this book. And that's interesting. But is that is that what we want more of? Because if we do, we can definitely get more of it. But we could just yeah, read and, and, another Tim Powers book as well. So mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, I agree. That, but you know, the the funny thing is, I thought I thought when I the thing that threw me was the dog face boy. <laughs> is that what he's called? That's you not mean his dog name. Dog face Joe. Dog face Joe. The dog face mm-hmm. boy. I kept thinking of that. So I thought, as soon as I, he's mentioned in the book, I thought this is a a character from another book. Now that's not the case, right? I, um, I thought it was an. I thought it was going to be Anubis, and that is actually, I think, who it is. <laughs> that's the weird part. Is I at the end, I'm like, this book is called Anubis Gates. I was, I went in expecting a lot more Egyptian stuff. But it basically, it's set in England. It's set in London. And it's set in the London hobo sphere. Right? It's not really hobo about... Verse. The hoboverse. That's right. <laughs> but, but it's not... <laughs> Another it's, t-shirt. It's not. <laughs> Enter the hoboverse. Uh, <laughs> but it's not a... Um, oh my gosh, I just got an idea for a whole series of novels. So we're good. <laughs> good the hoboverse. Yeah. Actually, um, I was... Uh, I was telling somebody yesterday about a game I was watching. It's a, a Steam game, um, and it's a, it's a hobo simulator, which is pretty weird. Um, apparently, pretty good game though. But um, your your skills are like um, uh, are like getting money out of people. <laughs> so, so yeah, I guess you wrote this before there was such a word as steampunk. Yeah, and so the fact, classification. He was, he was one of the people, very early on, yeah. Yeah, he was one of the people. This novel was one of the things that they were, you know, saying, well, this Victorian stuff, let's let's call this steampunk. And I guess he was kind of amused by it because he wasn't planning on staying in this. You know, he was going elsewhere. And there's no, and there's no airships. So right. like, how can yeah. we really be steampunk without an airship? Oh, it's right. Cool. And steampunk, you know, yeah, magic can be in steampunk, but this is... Steampunk is more of a visual aesthetic than it is a genre in my estimation because it doesn't really there's practically no steam in this at all. <laughs> it's <laughs> yet and yet all the stuff with the uh you know the puppet shows and the underground like that meeting hall where they all get served great food and then they decide who's going to be a member of the thieves guild. That's very Dungeons and yeah, same difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like really, they're not really steal, they're it, not going and stealing. It's very it's Dungeons and Dragons, right? So the fact that the, there is a beggars guild that down the street in another underground you know, chamber on the top of the church is going to be some other guild, right? Uh, Grifters mm-hmm. Guild or whatever. Um, the the that revision. Um, Sort of playing up into uh, Charles Dickens's version of of Victorian England or pre-Victorian England um, is is absolutely fun, but it's it it very kind of ahistorical or super historical. And so I was I was like, okay, that's what this book is, right? It's a fun book, 
and so like the fact that we've got on the surface we've got some taverns and the occasional poet showing up in those taverns but underneath that there's a whole you know the 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 hoboverse the hoboverse and and inside that hoboverse is is the subsets of um of uh the P- punch and judy show right so I was paying very close attention to how, and it's always fun to think about how people engage with puppets, you know, like, um, when, when, so when that happens in here, uh, our, our viewpoint character is disturbed in the way that people are disturbed when talking to puppets. When a puppet calls you out (laughs) and you get mad at the puppet, there's nothing funnier than that, right? So you know, it's like uh, those those comedians who would have a uh, I don't know a little guy on his on his leg and he's talking with his hand up his ass. What's that called? It's kind of special kind of puppet dummy. Yeah, dummy ventriloquist dummy, right? And so when when you have a character getting a uh, uh, character, an audience member getting mad at the uh, at the puppet who's making fun of him, that that's a great feeling because. We know that the puppet is not alive, but it turns out that's not the case in here, right? These puppets are more than puppets. <laughs> I think I think this is uh, a very fun meta stuff there, but it's very uh, it 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 feels like you can totally steal all of this for your Dungeons and Dragons campaign, right? You go into the market and there's a definitely uh, a Punch and Judy show, um, and. And, and someone mentioned Call of Cthulhu earlier, mm-hmm. and yep. yeah, this would fit perfectly. Or, or, or like say a period werewolf or vampire yeah. masquerade set in the 19th century could definitely have fun running around London like this. Or, you know, like Book Hounds of London. There's there, there, there's a lot of role playing stuff um, that can connect with this. So, if you, if is the dog going back? Is the dog faced Joe? Anubis, because no. ultimately a, he, the driving of the plot here is based on Egypt wanting to be for Egyptians, driving right, the French and, right, and right, British and out. I'm putting that because I want to talk about a couple books about right. uh, a series of books and stories about that in a moment. But no, the Anub- Anubis doesn't appear. Anubis is the the dog that's not here because the whole plot of of these sorcerers to bring Anubis is what creates the gates in the first place. It's a failed attempt to summon him that creates the gates that allow for the plot to take place. So Anubis doesn't actually appear. They failed to do that. Instead, they created these time gates by mistake. The time gates are man furry power, like weird furry powers, right? Like he gave himself weird powers. Well, the furry power is a curse. It's it's made clear that he's cursed with like lycanthropy, which is why he uses his magic to keeps switching bodies because he keeps he keeps growing furrows so, and shows that lycanthropy is not a physical disease it's a magical disease because even as he switches bodies he gets it all over again whereas a regular lycanthrope you know like in dnd if you switch bodies you'd be cured but here it's really a really it's really a magical cure that, curse that persists that he can't cure so he keeps switching these bodies over and over again he can teach others to do that because he's a magician hence the whole darrow the darrow uh darrow plot yeah, he's just an accident, right? It's just yeah, he's an accident. A, a thing they missed up. But he's a dog. 
He's not a dog. He's not a dog. He's a human that grows lots of fur. I get that. He's kind of werewolfy. He's, a, he's 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 quasi werewolf. Well, but he he doesn't he doesn't the, you know savage. He, he attacks people and chews up their tongues, but while they're in his well, mouth, yeah, right? That's because he's, that's he's a little he's a little cuckoo for cocoa pops and wouldn't you be? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, so yeah, I, I, one of the reviews I read said uh, some people find this book plot a little hard to follow, um, and I think that that's not. Uh, especially in audiobook form, I think that that's not a bad uh, assessment. I didn't have that much trouble, but I can see where people did. On the other hand, going back and listening to the beginning again, um, I can see stuff in the formulation that later shows up, you know, oh, as explanation as to why things are. So I don't think that uh, our dog-faced Joe is from another book. I think he is a product of the attempt to uh, destroy England and, more importantly, free Egypt and make Egypt for Egyptian good for Egyptian gods again. Make Egypt great again, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Um, so I actually was talking with uh, on Twitter with a writer friend of mine named P. DeJelly Clark. He's wrote, he, and I asked him if he'd actually read this because as as I was listening to this book, I had forgotten the whole point of this was to make Egypt rise again. I when I, I remembered this book as, you know, time traveling magicians and dog faced Joe and the guy turns out he actually is a poet. I completely forgot that the whole point was to try to make Egypt powerful and magically powerful again. But there's a series of novellas and now a full novel by an author named Peter Jelly Clark, where basically in the late nineteenth century Egypt rediscovers magic and decides to industrialize that magic and become a world power. And so I asked him, "Did you were you inspired by this book?" He's, and he had not rem- he had read the book, but he had not remembered that beat. So he can it come up with it independently. That was like yeah, make you make you great again is is a theme in both books, but it's accident that he had hit upon it. And the magic in his novels is completely different than this. Anyway, it's it's more like it's almost like industrialized in. In Clark, in Clark's novels, that now that really is kind of magical steampunk because there are airships and things, and I highly recommend his works. Cool. Um, uh, just a point of um, a point of order. Um, you know, the name Anubis is it's not right on the front of the book. We we don't get Anubis as the actual god running around, you know, doing stuff. Well, we do go to the other world. We we spend we spend a little bit of time thinking about him, but his name in uh, hieroglyphics is kind of interesting. It's basically what it is. It's a it's a pen or a feather, right? A pen, um, uh, a wavy line. Underneath the wavy line is a, a box, or it could be a cup, and then we get a bird. And then we get the the jackal, or and it turns out it's actually a wolf, but uh, you know the jackal-headed god, the dog-headed god, um, either sitting or lying down, depending on how he's spelt. But given that we've got the in the book, we've got writing with the pen, and we've got the line that indicates writing, and then we have the cup, which is the uh, the cup that. Uh, contains the um, opium. 
I don't know what the bird symbolizes, but we do have the dog. And uh, I just kept thinking, like, where's my Anubis content? <laughs> you know, like, we seem to be not spent. We, like, as soon as, as soon as the book really gets rolling, when he shows up, gets the interview for the, for the job as a, a resident expert in this time travel expedition, I'm thinking, oh, this is what the book is going to be about. Turns out that that is what the book is about. He gets left behind. Cora gets caught up, and and we find out that there's other expeditions and all that stuff. It's all fun secret history stuff, but there's very little Anubis content. And yet, when you go to look online and you look at the images of what people produce for this book, there's a, a lot of different covers because it's a very popular book. And often we've got like a wall and then we see Anubis in the wall, set up against the wall, and then there's like somebody passing through a gate that's within Anubis. And Anubis is the god of the underworld, cemeteries, tombs, the afterlife, embalming, mummification. He's the god of death. But uh, in Egypt, death is, right, just the beginning, <laughs> in a certain sense. And so I was thinking about how... Um, Dogface Joe is immortal, right? He can jump from body to body. He has problems in his life, but he jumps from body to body. Um, and that's a kind of immortality. And then there's the ability to time travel, right? But that doesn't make you immortal. It just means you can live your life backwards. And one guy's plan is to uh, become the richest person ever and rule the earth, <laughs> perhaps from Egypt. Um, and that's a kind of immortality getting, I, I told Will about this a long time ago. Uh, wills are a way of the uh, last will and testament. That is, is a way of extending your life beyond your life to control mm -hmm. other people, right? Sure. You place, you place your state in this particular situation. You, or in the case of, um, Robert A. Heinlein, right? He's dead. His wife's dead. Uh, and yet their will lives on. Right there, the estate has a founding document. It's like a constitution that tells them what they can and cannot do, how they can and cannot disperse funds, and how they can and cannot elect, you know, caretakers for that estate. And that is a very uh, Egyptian thing, right? We we build this giant temple, and then we expect people to take care of it, not not loot it. But turns out. <laughs> It turns out it is totally looted, right? All the big temples that uh, we think of, or not temples, all the big graves, all the big tombstones, all the big uh, tombs, all the pyramids are looted, right? The only ones that are not looted are ones that were hidden away. So we get Tutankhamun. Like, like King Tut. Yeah. yeah. Tutankhamun's uh, grave is hidden. It wasn't hidden at the time. It was just sort of, you know out of the way, but over... Well, there, there's a new theory just like in the last couple of years that it actually wasn't supposed to be Tut's grave at all, but he just wound up getting shoved into it. Yeah, well, he died young, right? He died young, but it wasn't actually even meant for him, which helped, helped obfuscate where he was buried, because he wasn't even buried in the tomb that they thought he was, was going to get buried right. in, because it hadn't even been done yet. So. Right. Hmm. So, uh, that, that idea of of living forever and living beyond and seeing what the, uh, the consequences will be. But, um, I feel like there, and I don't, I don't want this book to be longer, but I feel like there's 
a little bit to be said about why the magic that works uh, in these time gaps doesn't seem to have worked in the in the ancient past, but doesn't work today. It it it, it, it doesn't doesn't get a lot of play, but it's but the master kind of says that magic worked in the past, yeah. and doesn't work now. But the the side effect of doing the Anubis gates and having that fail is that you got these zones that not only that yes you can time travel them, but also to use a D and D or or a role playing term, the mana in those patches is yeah. higher, so you can do real magic at those times and places, even if you don't go into the time you can do real, you can actually make real things Yeah, I, it was very Larry Niven-esque in the... Uh, yeah, very Larry Niven-esque. Yeah, there, that's, that's a good comparison. Uh, but he doesn't he play it the same way, right? He doesn't play it the same way, which is, I mean, it's very Tim Powersy. Into, <laughs> yes, Tim Powersy's not Larry Niven-y. Yeah. That, now, now, Larry Niven doing a Nubis Gates like novel, that would be interesting. Yeah, because he, he plays by a different set of rules, and those rules... Have have different they, consequences. Much more rigorous rules and less poetry, less poetry and more. Let's play with the magic rules and see how we can. Maybe a little more cringy. <laughs> yeah, so it'll, it'll especially it especially nineteen eighty three. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. So I I would say like this is a good book, but. I, I, I keep thinking, like, how often do I think about Declare? I don't think about Declare ever, right? Like, I, I know that we did it, but I, I I remember talking about it and enjoying it, especially, you know, I talked with Fred, uh, uh, Fredosphere about it after. And, Which one are you talking about? Uh, Declare, <clears throat> and that's, that's like Mount Ararat <clears throat> and... Uh, Ginny. Yeah, Ginny. Declare is, is, you know, I remember it really well you know and i think about it sometimes it's a cold war novel uh-huh. you know spies it's with, it's a good uh, book and then cthulhu you know uh, just I, I remember the the strange time thing you know as they had to walk in uh uh different paces and stuff to try to get them to be not detectable mm-hmm. to magic or something mm-hmm. and then i remember um the end on a mountain fighting uh dark evil forces and yeah. things and it absolutely um, allows participation mm-hmm. in the reading that's a that's something you get from tim powers mm-hmm. it seems yeah yeah agreed and yeah i just enjoy that a lot i i, I think i'm pretty sure i've, I've still read got lots of his to read um last call is Tribes. terrific what a book that is if you guys yes. haven't read that no no yeah yeah the, the, that, one, that one i think about frequently mm-hmm. um because um elizabeth bears I wrote a couple of novels kind of based on that, also set in Vegas with magic. So that, that's, oh, did she really? That, yes, she hmm. did. I'm trying to remember the name of the thing offhand. One Eye okay. Jack? I'd have to look it up. All right. I'll, maybe I'll do it while Will, I'm muted so I don't type. You, you, did, um, you did some extra homework. Can you tell us oh, about yeah. that? Oh, yeah. This made me want to read a book that had been on my shelf for a while. Um, it's, a, it's an old laser book uh, by Ray Nelson, Blake's Progress, and... Mm-hmm. I'll read the back of the book and then tell you how the back of the book is wrong. Um, uh, William Blake lived as no man had ever lived before. Sweeping across the centuries, he clashed with Cleopatra, chatted with Churchill, entertained with Ezekiel. His wife, Kate, was astounded at the man she had married, and she knew that she, and she knew what she had to do. In this amazing account of Blake's life, Ray Nelson tells it like it might have been had Blake had his way. 
There are wonders galore in this book. I don't believe I've read a science fiction novel like Blake's Progress before, Terry Carr. Um, and it's just like, so it's this slim little novel about William Blake, uh, and really it's about William Blake's wife and how they're time travelers, and they just sort of time travel at will up and down the time stream and encounter other sorts of beings uh, that, like, are wanting to change the time stream. So, you know, all of Blake's mytho- like mythological poetry is explained through actual alternate universes that have taken place um, that he had a part in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, that, I mean, it's, pretty, it's kind of interesting and ends in this, like, giant battle scene where, like, uh, a thousand different of his wife are fighting a thousand different of this lizard god <laughs> and it's i mean it's really an exciting novel i um uh you know if you're like interested in the idea of william blake it's 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 a good read if you've um, read uh, read any of his poetry or seen any of his paintings you have to be interested in william blake because exactly he is yeah. he is his brain is like if you ate some of his brain it would be like eating magic mushrooms except times a thousand (laughs) yeah and uh, yeah and like the the introduction has like a quote from the author explaining that his his poetry proves that he was a time traveler Uh, i mean Um, i can see it but uh (laughs) it's a good promise got me thinking about this but so this book got me thinking about blake's progress which came out in like 1975 and also got me thinking about a book that i know um scott likes which is hyperion which is Mm -hmm. about like John Keats by a large part yeah. is like also from the eighties yep. and Dan Simmons. You know, yeah. Yeah. By Dan Simmons. And it's, um, you know, I'm wondering like why the, why the romantic poets were revisited in science fiction and mm. fantasy and, and during this time period. Um, just that they, got they, me thinking about yeah, that. They, I mean, it also reminds me of, uh, the pre Joycean fellowship, writers who were also big at that time so this is apparently like a whole movement of sort of writers who were kind of reaching towards this era and and taking stuff from it for whatever reason i'm not sure why but well it connects to frankenstein right shelley uh percy shelley byron you know byron they all had that you know that meeting where everybody decides to write ghost stories and only a couple of them really finish their work one is Shelley, and then Polidori wrote uh, The Vampire, which uh, was attributed to Byron for a long time. And then also it, uh, you know, was actually by Polidori. Um, and there, so romanticism and science fiction go together. It's not obvious, right? It's not obvious. But prior to them, there are things that we would now classify as fantasy. In fact, almost everything, right? Don Quixote is kind of a fantasy. Um, everything is a fantasy. And then realism comes in. And so the, ro- the romantics are kind of a, uh, launching off point for, uh, the break between realism and science fiction, I think. It, 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 reading their stuff, it's different from previous poems, like Shakespeare's not very, uh, they're they're realists in a certain sense, but they're romantic. Right? So they 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 know about science, but they don't choose to uh, be clinical. They choose to be interested. So it, it's really fun to see how this spins off into other other things. And if you're a, a person who's interested in SF, the romantic 
romantics are really good. They're just like they fit somehow. Y'all y'all read a lot of romantic poetry? Um you you all know what my favorite poem is, right? I don't know. My favorite poem is Ozymandias. Ozymandias, yes. Um, yes, we've discussed this. Yes, because there's I, I two Ozymandiases. There's just two of them. Like, Ozymandii. The, the, the original <laughs> one is my favorite poem, and God willing, one day I'll get to recite that poem in Egypt. God willing. Oh, Scott, I found mm. I, it's unfortunately not an ebook in the United States, but okay. I, found, I found the Elizabeth Bear novel. It's called One Eyed Jack. I want to read this description, and you see how much how much it was influenced by Tim Powers' Last Call. The One-Eyed Jack and the Suicide King, personifications of the city of Las Vegas, its history, mystery, mystical power, and heart. When the Suicide King vanishes, possibly killed, in the middle of a magic rights turf war started by the Aperture's of Los Angeles, a notorious fictional assassin and the mutilated ghost of Benjamin Bugsy Siegel, his partner, the One-Eyed Jack, will seek the aid of a bizarre band of legendary and undead allies. The ghosts of Doc Holliday and John Henry, the seal-driving man, the echoes of several imaginary super-spies, Decades displaced in time, and a vampire named Tribute who bears a striking resemblance to a certain long lost icon of popular music. Cool. Yeah. Hey, but there's no ebook in the United States. I don't know why. I guess I, I'm thinking the publisher must be screwing over with the rights or something because mm-hmm. you can get an ebook in the UK under SF Gateway, but there is no ebook in the United States. It's like, why? I'd buy it. I hit the button in a second. This is a great book. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Nice. It makes yeah. me. Uh, I hope Tim Powers goes to Tombstone, Arizona someday. <laughs> you just made me think of that uh, in that description. Uh, yeah, a fun, fertile yeah. place to go. I, yeah. I have a I have a question for people who are more experienced in in reading like more modern fiction than I am. Like, does does this does this novel like butt up against urban fantasy at all? No, no, because getting on my soapbox. <laughs> to me, the, the urban fantasy is must be set in, mainly in a contemporary setting to be urban fantasy. Otherwise, it's just fantasy or sick or so. This is more like time travel fantasy. I mean, if this was mostly in the present and had some dips in the past, then it would like say um, Sean McGuire's novels. Then that that would be urban fantasy. But this is not because it's set in the 19th century. It's historical fantasy not urban fantasy although there are people who argue with me over this because it's like totally set in cities right and, and i get arguments with that well it's set in cities therefore it's urban fantasy and it's set in like what i would call modern cities yeah it, it, it some, doesn't classify yeah it doesn't classify because it it, it feels wrong <laughs> um you know one book that i reminded me a lot of this book is um and i don't know if that's because because it's a kind of a lift, but uh, there's a fantasy series. It's relatively modern. I, w- I want to say like 2000 or so, um, and it's about a group of people, thieves, young thieves who work in a fantasy world uh, that's specifically made for it. Uh, Paul, you should know this book. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, and it's by a male author. And uh, the the character is in the title. The character name is in the title. He's a thief, and they basically pull off a heist. In an, and it is urban fantasy. It's just 
medieval style urban fantasy in a secondary world. Um, and it, it probably has an alliterative title. It's like uh, Seven Sins for Sisters or something like that, except it the uh, the male lead character. Ah, oh, damn it. Well, well while I make Paul think of that one, um, I want to read this. <laughs> this is an example of, um, this is a poem I did on Reading Short and Deep uh, by William Wordsworth. The first paragraph, first stanza was suggested by Coleridge to Wordsworth. Um, and then the rest is uh, Wordsworth's um, experience translated into a poem. All right, so it's called We Are Seven. A simple child that lightly draws its breath and feels its life in every limb. What should it know of death? And then this is a dialogue between a uh, guy who's passing through the countryside and a girl he meets. I met a little cottage girl. She was eight years old, she said. Her hair was thick with many a curl that clustered round her head. She had a rustic woodland air, and she was wildly clad. Her eyes were fair and very fair. Her beauty made me glad. Sisters and brothers, little maid, how many may you be? How many? Seven in all, she said, and wondering looked at me. And where are they, I pray you tell, she answered. Seven are we, and two of us at Conway dwell, and two are gone to sea. Two of us in the churchyard lie, my sister and my brother, and in the churchyard I dwell near them with my mother. You say you are, you say that two at Conway dwell, and two are gone to sea, yet ye are seven, I pray you tell, sweet maid, how may this be? Then did the little maid reply, Seven boys and girls are we, two of us in the churchyard lie, beneath the churchyard tree. You run about, my little maid, your limbs they are alive. If you are in the churchyard laid, then ye are only, f- if two are in the churchyard laid, then t- ye are only five. Their graves are green, they may be seen, the little maid replied. Twelve steps or more from my mother's door, and they, and they are side by side. My stockings there I often knit, my kerchief there I hem, and there upon the ground I sit and sing a song to them. And oft, uh, often after sunset, sir, when it is light and fair, I take my little porringer and eat my supper there. The first that died was Sister Jane. In bed she lay, she moaning lay, till God released her of her pain, and then she went away. Wow. So, so in the churchyard she was laid, and when the grass was dry, together round her grave we played, my brother John and I. And when the ground was white with snow, and I could run and slide, my brother John was forced to go. He lies by her side. How many are you then, I said, if they are two in heaven? Quick, was the little maid's reply. Oh, master, we are seven. But they are dead. Those two are dead. Their spirits are in heaven. Twas throwing words away, for still the little maid would have her will, and said, Nay, we are seven. Powerful shit. Mm. Suggested by Coleridge. Mm. And then. By Coleridge. 
Yeah. When your uh, your brother and sister are uh, buried twelve steps from your front door, mm-hmm. and all your other siblings are gone to college or mm-hmm. to sea, you play with the ones you have. Holy fuck! Powerful shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't find this series. It, it's set in the modern day. No, it's set in a secondary world. It was like really hot when it came out. Um, oh, are you? Are you? Okay, okay secondary. Are you talking about the Liza Lockmore? That's the one. Lied Lockmore. Yeah, oh, yes. You yes, all read that? Series. Yeah, that's great. Yes. It's kind of similar to this. It, it doesn't have the overarching um, plot that this one has that sets the action in motion. But it it has that sort of uh, hey we're getting initiated into a into a uh, cult or not cult a guild guild hoboverse hoboverse yeah um, I didn't read past the first book but um, I could see the appeal yeah, it's they're, similar they're, to this sa- mm-hmm. sa- sadly the sadly the author struggled with depression and other issues which is why the series is kind of like stalled out as it is. Wow. Mm, yeah. Okay. He's, he's got, he's got, he's unfortunately gone through a lot. It was a, it was a pretty big hit when it came out. I think I don't remember. Oh, oh, it, 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 what it, year was it, that? It, um, 2006. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Let's see. Mid two thousands. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah, there's red skies from re- under red, red seas on the red skies. The second one, Republic of Thieves. Gentle and bastards books, I guess. Yeah, that was that's an, what, that's the series. Yeah. That was another one that was just like so entertaining to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, entertaining, absolutely. And you know, you can make a TV show out of it. You can do all sorts of things with it. It oh, was God. basically oh, a. Re- God, I would kill for that. It, it's it's great. It's fun, right? It's basically um, it's fun. This one had that extra layer of of you know playing with actual historical stuff. But mm-hmm. it didn't right. dwell in in that as much as I, I, I mean, it could I have. Do, I, I mean, I do like novels where, you know, I mean, secondary world novels where the author will play with texts and things and and uh, and like fix, fictional texts and have the have the um, characters react to those because it's kind of like that's what we do. Like we think about books all the time. It makes sense of person who reads books in secondary or would think about those and how they affect what they're thinking. Um, I'm thinking, for example, um, The Sin and the Steel by Ryan Van Loan, which is basically a Sherlock Holmes story set in the secondary fantasy world with gods and magic. And the main character has only really recently learned how to read. She's only read like 30 books in her life, but she keeps thinking about those books and reacting to them and at the end of the book at the end of the book there's a whole bibliography of the fake books that she's read to date mm. and and it's really entertaining to see how how that actually works or what's the other book I'm thinking of oh, oh yes because it just came out EJ Beaton's The Counselor which is basically a female Machiavelli in a secondary fantasy world that's kind of like Italy where she's basically writing that world's version of The Prince she calls it an ideal queen, mm-hmm. and so she, but she's also well read. She's thinking about books and thinking about oh, I need to put this into my book as this is happening. It's like so I like so this while this book engages with real poetry, real stuff. I do appreciate when a secondary world book will engage with fictional stuff. It takes a lot of work to think about all that. It's like 
and think about those books and actually make it seem plausible. But I appreciate that level of detail because human humans want, I mean, lots of humans are literate creatures, and so of course we're going to talk about books in other worlds. It seems weird that we don't. That lots of novels don't. They don't talk about what right. they, read, they consume. It's like, do you never read? What? It's just hard. It's read. hard though, right? So the more, the more like. The more you put into a secondary world, the more stuff you have to create for it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so the good news about, you know, Lord of the Rings is it's it's there and we can read it. But you don't see – when you're reading it, you don't see all the work that went into making it, right? Which is basically he invents a whole planet, tells a whole bunch of stories about it. Then he writes an actual little kid's book for his kids that are set, that's semi-set in that place. And then he uses all of that as a background. So all, all the dwarves and elves, all, they all have books, right? Now, the hobbits don't seem to have that many books, do they? Right? Well, 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 well Biblo's re- writing one, and there's the Book of yeah. Westmarch. Right, but if you go to his library, you know, there's a book there. <laughs> but it's not like, it's not like um, all the lays of Barrowland, you know? There's, so the more, the more, that's why it's easier just to you know set it in our world and then uh, make a tweak and then you can do any references. But that's the great thing about a secondary world is if you do build it up and you build it up and you build it up and you build it up, um, it's it's terrific. And I think all readers appreciate that, right? Well, that you are building up that background, making it more vivid and makes you participate in the book a lot more. But it, it's just hard, right? If you set a a story in the future and people stop reading books after a certain date because they haven't been published <laughs> between now and when the book is set. That's, uh, you know, what they do in movies usually is they say, you know, it's Rocky 18. <laughs> when you go to the future, they just <laughs> extend, right? And it turns into a parody of itself. Or in Star Trek, they only like old things. No, no, uh, it's funny. Uh, one of the things, um, one of the things I've been, doing while i've been finishing off enterprise is i've been making a list of all the movies that they have on their database um because they have a movie night and they do watch a lot of old movies especially when you see them on screen but there's a there's a list of films that are not films from our period and one of them is the strange case of mr cigars (laughs) um amongst other titles um so and one of them was like bride of chaotica as well which so that's like lore uh from voyager voyager yes yeah so it or reverse lore in this case so that kind of building up of a of a secondary world library it's delightful that my favorite parts of books are often when the characters go into the library and they open up a book and start reading it right and then some terrible incident comes in the they're pulled out of the library and can't finish reading what we were just enjoying oh darn it we could have just spent a little more time there, right? What, what were all the books Bilbo was reading in Rivendell? Right, he was there for a in, long time. In, in the Elven Public Library. Yeah, basically. But, 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 but we do see we, it's we a hobo in the Elf, in Elven those, Public Library. We, we, do, we do see Gandalf in those stacks of scrolls in the Gondor, in the, the White City, going through looking at history. So mm-hmm. clearly, there's histories there. But are there are there are there fictional narratives in? I, I in get the, the sense the Rohirrim don't I'm, know I'm, how to write. I'm trying to think. I mean, 
aside from people not believing stuff, I can't think of any book it mentioned in Middle Earth as a fictional narrative that people read. There are histories. There yeah, are no, there's not. Yeah. There are, but but humans tell stories. Why why wouldn't there be? Well, they like, do. They do have poems, right? They've got memorized and stuff. They tell little stories. Yeah, but yeah, but they seem to be referencing real events. It's it's a very strange. It's like it's like the aliens from Galaxy Quest. They don't tell stories. It's like they think everything. This happened is real. Mm. It's very odd. <laughs> well, that's kind of making like fun. That of... You just dropped Galaxy Quest. Yeah, I just dropped. <laughs> it's I, kind I, of I making st- fun of Star Trek conventions, where the guy shows up in in the uh, Vulcaneers and and asks uh, the guy who plays Captain Picard. <laughs> you know, when when you press the console on episode six of season two, it's my. <laughs> How are those people who do that thing? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's funny stuff. I knew it was real. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's funny stuff. You yeah, know, yeah. we talked about uh, Bronson Pinchot and how good of a narrator he is. Uh-huh. Did you guys know that Andy Circus is re-recording Lord of the Rings? I did. Yes. And so the Hobbit is out, and uh, he's doing Lord of the Rings now. Hmm. Oh wow! Yeah. So, good stuff. Well, he'll he'll be <laughs> doing a good to job a with the, of the Hobbit. I haven't listened to it yet, but I picked it up on Audible. But it's good. He'll be doing a great job of Golem. Nobody could do it better. Oh, sure, for sure, yeah. But, but he, the rest of it too. He's, he's good at voices. Tell, yeah, good. Yep. Hey, hey, Scott, have you read Alternate Roots yet? I haven't. No, and that's a new one, right? Yeah, uh, that's a new relatively one. Relatively new. Anyway. I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm, I'm it's a Bane the, book. Yeah, yeah, I haven't read it. I don't own it. I'm, 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 reading, I'm reading the descriptions like, oh, I gotta catch yeah. up on my Tim. My I've still got to read. So I've read Last Call. Call. I've read Last Call, but there's two other books that go with that: Earthquake Weather, which I've read, yeah, and, and um, another one that I haven't read: Earthquake Weather and what? It's right behind me. Working, working, working. Expiration date. Expiration date. Yeah. Yeah. So I have both of those, but I haven't read those yet. So is is it the case that all of all of Tim Powers' books stand alone and also stand together? Um, um, yes and no. But I mean, I mean, I mean, Last Call, Earthquake, Weather, and Expiration Date kind of go together, but they're not direct sequels. Um, apparently, looking at looking at this new book of uh, of of um, the routes, apparently there's a there is a direct sequel coming to Alternate Routes called. Force Perspective is coming next year because it says a Vickery and Castine series book too. So he actually is breaking his pattern, actually writing an actual series now. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> oh, he's like he's actually broken his. Oh no, it's out already. Oh, so yeah, so apparently he did actually start reading a, writing a series. Maybe maybe Bane told him you must write series now, Tim. <laughs> money it's the communists. Like, I'm telling you, it's the communists. The, the, commun- the, the demanding series. But yeah, mm. so I'm gonna. Yeah, and as yeah, far I mean, as all the others, I, I don't know that they stand together. But you know, like Ash Bless might be in those. But I don't. I don't mean that. No, he's not. Uh, yeah, he's not the same character or anything. Yeah, right. there, there's two latter day sequels to Anubis Gates, apparently. Yeah. according to the science fiction encyclopedia, like that hmm. came out in 2014 and 2020. Yeah, I so, think I, like, I, I, I think I read which is the 2014 one. I might have. I read think they're short. Nobody's Home and Anubis <laughs> Gates story. Yes, I. I, I 
right. That was one of the first books I ever got as a as an arc. Oh. Subterranean Press sent it to me. Yes, I remember that. It was like one of the first things I ever got as a, it's like someone's a publisher's actually sent me an arc. That was like one of the first ones. And then the the second one is the properties of Rooftop Air, which only came out last year. Yeah, I think I so saw. Cool, and uh, Anubis Gates won the Philip that. K. Dick Award <laughs> in 1983, and I know these two knew each other, like Marissa was saying. Yeah, mm. yeah. Then him and Blaylock too, right? Yeah, uh, yes, I haven't read that much. I haven't read their that own much little Blaylock. group of inklings or whatever. Uh, yeah. yeah, I haven't read that much Blaylock. Unfortunately, I clicked on uh, Tim Powers' IMDb, thinking there would be something good there, but it's just Pirates of the Caribbean shit. <laughs> All the Lego <laughs> yeah, versions right. of that. I, I, and, I mean, I'm glad he got some nice money for that, so, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, and there's something called The Laughing Dead, a 1990 movie. But I... Uh, zombies, Demons, and a Mad Doctor, a way to busload of folks looking for a tour of Aztec ruins. Father O'Sullivan is a Catholic priest who has lost his faith in God and who cannot forget the nun whom he once had an affair with whom he once had an affair O'Sullivan serves as a tour guide for archaeologists at Cal uh, student Cal okay so this maybe this is a Scott thing all those uh, priests and nuns and <laughs> priests and nuns oh my. priests and nuns oh my uh, throw on a Jesuit you got a bus tour <laughs> yep a deacon an archdeacon and a None walk into a bar. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know anything yeah, about this good book. Stuff. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. Fun book. Yeah, it was pretty good. <clears throat> Long though. I want. I want the same thing, but uh, about seven hours would be good. I would be. <laughs> I would say that it was. It was a, like a. I, I, the, the thing about a long book is you can dwell on stuff, but sometimes the dwelling is just, it, it's not as fun as it could be. And usually when you enjoy a, a really good book, you want it to be longer, but there is a diminishing point of returns. I'm not sure where that point always is, but it seems to be under 15 hours generally. Well, yeah, that's... Yeah, you, you're you're not the long hauler as far as books go. No, I think Return of the King is the worst of the, of the, the Tolkien books because it's so long and it keeps going. Oh, we're still in the Mordor. Oh my, more Mordor. <laughs> no more. Do you have a shorter book? Mordor. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're. Is so fun. What what what? Valis? No, novellas. Novellas. They're the best. Like, I novellas. Love yes, I, no. Hard to get audiobooks of them, but they're the best, clearly. Well, the squeaky chair is back, so let's uh, wrap I'm this sorry, up. I'm sorry. I had to let the cat in because uh, right. I don't know if you guys could hear that. But it's all right. He was going crazy outside the door. Needs to come in. My and wife left. Needs yeah. to come in and say hello. Needs <laughs> yep, to check so on all the furniture. <laughs> is it still here can I still rub against it yes I can <laughs> this has been the SFF audio podcast please join us at www.sffaudio.com and thanks for listening if you enjoyed this podcast consider becoming a patron at 
patreon.com forward slash SFF audio. Hey, Scott. Hey, hey. Mar- Marissa? Yes. Hello. 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 Getting How's a little Hello? Hello. California is a black hole, apparently. <laughs> oh, can you guys hear me now? Yep. Yeah, I can hear you now. There you go. I think my microphone is being weird. It seems to be active at, active at the moment. I think my, uh, it just switched from my snowball to the laptop for some reason. Tap on um, your snowball. Yeah, it's not. Do you hear that? Yeah, it's not. It sounds like a keyboard, so it's not. Yeah, it must be on your laptop, but it sounds good on your laptop, which is odd. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll give you a minute. Um, while you're playing with that, uh, we need to find out Will's bank account number. <laughs> oh well, um, it's. Uh, hold on, let me check my Skype recorder to see if it's on there. Okay, um, thank you. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, you know, my bank account number is currently 972 kilobytes, and I think it's just going up as it records more. Oh, good. good. Yeah, mine's uh, 580 kilobytes. All right. Fantastic. Let's see if I... Uh, mine, is, mine is 156 kilobytes and rising. That's good. Okay, so there's three recordings going on, so I won't worry about it here. You need to worry the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I would just kick on the Skype recorder or the Skype in Skype recorder. Yeah, whatever. Should well, I do that or no? I don't know. Yeah, do it. Sure. All right. What when in, when in doubt back doing? Up. I thought it was I mean, scream yeah, and I, shout. I, I, We're dealing I, with dark powers today. <laughs> I mean, I I spent a couple hours last night trying to find the file. I didn't know where I had backed it up. I thought I'd actually lost it. So uh, I finally found it. Found the thing, but it took a lot of effort. So yeah, back up. Good, good. Oh. oh. All right. Uh, well, oh, wait. Uh, I need my noisy chair. Yeah. Let me go get my noisiest. Chair. <laughs> and and uh, Paul, don't get, forget to get your noisy keyboard. <laughs> I have. I always have my noisy. Oh, keyboard. good. Good. I'll have another <laughs> keyboard to change it out with. So. And I believe Will's going to be playing the xylophone for no reason during the show. Yeah. Well, I'm also going to be opening and closing my drawers. There you go. That'll work. Yeah. And uh, uh, Marissa's going to practice the tambourine <laughs> to make things wonderful. Yeah. Or we could do a we could do a Punch and Judy show. Hmm. Save it. Um, save it for the podcast. Uh, how about this? I uh, I throw a monkey branch in while we wait for everybody to get organized. Will, uh, can you expand more upon your conclusion when I sent you some rando uh, right-wing guy's uh, uh, thingy? <laughs> well, yeah, well, his his whole deal was that as a majority race, he referred to himself as a majority race person. Whatever that is- means. That's a weird way to refer to yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, but he said as like a majority race man, he like couldn't get into publishing anymore because like anti-racist and anti-fascists had like taken over the culture. So um, they've like now made it like verboten to like publish high adventure stories. Yeah. Um, and like you can't really have philosophy in your stories either uh, for that same reason. 
And in the old days, you know, there was lots of high adventure and the, the, during the pulps, you know, women and, uh, non, well, he, I think he used the phrase minority, which is like, I think less of a popular phrase than it used to be, although still certainly There's a the phrase thread people use. For people. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, that, uh, that women and minority colleagues were just as respected as, uh, you know, majority race man colleagues, um, uh, in the pulps. And so, uh, you know, it was just this like white grievance thread, but, um, he looks you know, Asian I, to me though. That's the thing. Yeah. No, that's what I thought was interesting is that he seemed like he might like be an Asian person, which is like actually the majority or of half, half, movie. half and half or some mix. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I mean, without getting into a conversation about what this guy's race is, well, it's, it's, he, his account says he's in Singapore, so he's majority in Singapore, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever yeah, that means, but he's yeah, super. Right, exactly. Well, the, the thing that uh, the thing that I the like I'm like reading this thread and I'm like there's there's sort of like issues here. The thing that got me was like he's like sees they're all communists and I'm like pretty sure the people who are running publishing are not communists. Like completely not. <laughs> Completely yeah. not communist. That you know, like, well, being like, woke I, I, and being I, I, communist I, I, don't go together. One person in publishing who is a communist, like 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 Terry Bisson publishes, like helps publish books, and he is a communist. Like other than him, it's like yeah, he doesn't run. I can't think. You of know, he doesn't book. run. You know, publishing though, right? Yeah, <laughs> like well, listen, he's a guy. This and, is a standard talking point though, where you like like. Oh, like, for like this ideology to work, like. Um, the like SJWs have to be the same thing as communism. Yeah, there's a lot of conflation there. For uh, to me, it's like, are you just dumb? Do you n- not know, or is it like uh, I just don't? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, but it's it, it's like it, it's this theory that like um, politics is downstream from culture, so that the yeah, like, that's right in there. What right? the communists have done is like created like these like new politics. Hmm. I, um, I don't, I don't know. know. I just, I, I mean, I think the part that you thought was interesting about, like, I think the, the part that, like, resonated with you, Jesse, was where he was, like, um, uh, rather than, like, engaging with the history of the genre or whatever. Uh, so I, like, I, like, saw that, like, you know, like, he's talking about that, but he's not, like, He's also like himself is like engaging in historical revisionism. Well, you know, like there's some, some of the things he says are, I think they are pointing to something real, and other things are like that's your delusion. Like that has nothing to do with. So I'll I'll just read the thread so Paul can enjoy it. And, and like <laughs> the thread was like to encourage you to buy his cyberpunk novel. Yeah, I well I eventually got to that, but. I started somewhere in the middle because yeah, I was like, quote tweeted it's or like, something. This is my long screed about how I like you must buy my cyberpunk novel yeah. to like fight against the communists. So he says, "All my life, I just wanted to be left alone to write my stories in peace." Same with me, except not really. It's not all that much to ask, is it? Question mark. Then the forces of Clown World, capital C, capital <clears throat> W, ascended Carbon? to sink. Huh? Carbon? No, no, no. Save it, Paul. The forces of Clown World ascended to sink my dreams. So that's kind of weird. 
Clown World ascended, and that sunk his dreams. Uh, and then it's, next, it's a mixed metaphor. This this phrase, politics is downstream from culture. It, he's just asserting this as a fact, uh, which is funny because I was thinking about this book uh, this morning and how it's politics. Uh, control the culture. Uh, you control the politics, and I think that's partially true, at least partially true. Um, what is seen to be acceptable and unacceptable is not a sentence, but that's what he wrote. Um, as a social, as social justice, anti-fascist, anti-racist converged into an amorphous alliance, their conquest of publishing became inevitable. These are all a hell of a lot of assertions. Like, there's so much weighted in it. But that's not where I started in the thread. I started somewhere in the middle. Anyways, he who controls the past controls the future. <laughs> it's, it sounds like a bunch of bad Dune quotes. I'm thinking this guy's going to be a terrible <laughs> writer. Right? It sounds like Dwight Schrute's speech from The Office at one episode. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. They lied about the history of SFF. Okay, whoever they are. Right? The clown world, I guess. They Clown er- World, the Amorphous Alliance. Yes, <laughs> the Amorphous Alliance. They, they erased the era of the pulps. Now, that is probably where I started in the thread because of... Uh, I just had another... Uh, I saw that Heinlein Society account tweeted something, um, and it was a review of um, of uh, a full cast audio Robert A. Heinlein thing. And the reviewer said he asked Bruce Coville why they hadn't um, hadn't produced any more and why the books are not available. Um, and it turns out the license fees were too expensive. Um, <laughs> and so I did a quote, pull quote from an old thread that Scalzi did, which was um, basically uh, the reason nobody reads Heinlein is because uh, he's not creative. His ideas are a cliche or something like that. I, and turns out the whole time it was license fees, right? So um, the idea that you don't need to read anything past 10 years ago, that is, I think, what resonated here with me. They lied about the history as uh, SFF. I don't know about that. But they erased the era of the pulps, sort of. The era of wonder, of glory, of adventure. And yes, the era where women and minority writers enjoyed the same respect as their white male colleagues. So that one is, uh, you know, a little bit problematic. Uh, and then it says, they say SFF has always been about current year politics, and current year is capitalized for some reason. To prove this point, they condemn in memory the canon from which the which flow the foundations of modern SFF. Um, this is partially true, I think, uh, whoever they are. Uh, <laughs> what little they remember, they distort to reinforce their points. That is proven every day on Twitter, right? People s- saying things about, you know, dead authors. It's just not true, factually incorrect. Um, but that's because people don't read shit and they just heard stuff. And then the line that got me, it's how communists have always operated. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking, like, who's running a publishing in the United States? They're not communists. Now, maybe he's not talking about the United States, but, dude, I don't know what's going on here. So, I guess I can dismiss this thread safely. Is that what I should do? I think yeah. it's a... I mean, this is a real <laughs> trend in, like, like, like thought that exists, right? Mm-hmm. Like, these are... these. This is a, this is a thought trend. This guy isn't, like, 
just himself thinking these thoughts. No, no, no. It's a community. And uh, I think they're reinforcing this idea amongst themselves. They're doing it publicly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and I mean, it's I, I mean, I don't think that it's a mistake that what he's got going on is he's trying to sell his like cyberpunk book to his friends who think like him. Mm. Yeah. So it's like if you agree with me, you should buy my self-published cyberpunk book to fight against the like clown world hegemony. Yeah, clown world, clown world hegemony. What are you reading? Oh, I, I put the thread in. It's uh, somebody named Kit Sun Chia, uh, who is, I guess, a self-published <laughs> author, um, who's uh. who's. Uh, he's got some theories. <laughs> I just, I, I send Will a lot of stuff, and uh, I didn't think I'd want, I, this is one I'd rather not send to uh, Paul directly, because he might read stuff into it, uh, but if I do it on the podcast, I can answer his questions, like why I sent it to him. Basically, I want to understand the world, and I know Will won't judge me on, you know, whether I'm, I'm uh, you know, trying to attack him over it. I'm just, I, I, I Will, this guy's young. Right, I'm looking at his oh, his photo. He looks like he's 12 years old, maybe he's 15. Um, he says he's a Hugo nominated writer. I can't find any Hugo nominations for him. Uh, Hugo and Dragon nominated SFF writer. Yeah. Well, you um, can click uh, on his uh, account. Well, he said that somebody nominated him for an award, even though he made a finalist. Therefore, he's nominated. I know. I, I know there are some puppies who say that. Oh yeah, I got nominated. Someone nominated me. Therefore, I'm a Hugo nominee. It doesn't. It doesn't have puppy so in his uh, bio, but I'm looking at his website now. Oh, he, oh, he is. I, oh, I mean, reading this, reading this, and listening to this, this, this whole oh yes, published thing is run by communist crap. Oh yeah, this is this is this is this is central pumpy tenets here. Central pumpy. Yeah. I'm looking at his the cover <laughs> he, of his he, he, book. It's very military SF looking. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't want to read his books. Yeah, it says Singapore's first Hugo and Dragon Award nominated author. Yeah, he. I I can't find any nomination for him. Wow. Final any finalist for him. So. Wow. Yeah, no. Um, I, I doubt I, I doubt you would make such a bull. You know, I'm I'm sure he was. It's on the cover of his book. I'm sure he was nominated, right? Otherwise, um, that'd be a pretty bold yeah, lie to be found out about. Someone gave me a nomination does not mean. I mean, this is. I mean, actually, back now, showing how much in baseball I, I was. As I said, some puppies claimed this back, back in the time of the the high puppies trying to take over the Hugo. So that's why Hugo's changed to the word finalists instead of nominees. Like he's so he can say, "Oh yeah, I got nominated. Someone nominated me my books. You're you're just a communist woke CRT Marxist for saying I'm not nominated." Okay. So maybe maybe somebody nominated them, but he's not a finalist. He's not saying he's a finalist, which would be a lie. So, but I mean, I don't I think mean, I don't think there's Je a lot Je of Je Jesse. You could claim you are Hugo nominated. Okay. You know why? I'm I'm slapping it on my I, bio <laughs> because I put it. I I have nominated this podcast in the past. Well, thank you, sir. But um, so. It's Theoretically, okay. you could call yourself a Hugo nominee. Well, if you wanted to, like this, like this Joker. Wow! Didn't do you, do you feel Jesse and Jesse's views on awards are totally going to change now? <laughs> <laughs> well, once once I'm nominated, now it has merit. <laughs> uh, now, 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 if Jesse actually made a long list, that would be that would be amazing. No, 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 no. no. 
No, no, no. Don't get involved Jesse's in this like, stuff. like, I don't want to. Don't make me. No, no. It's I punishment. Mean, if enough people nominated the podcast, not enough to get be a finalist, but to actually wind up on the long list, that would be something. I mean, I mean, the year before I got nominated for fan writer, I was on the long list for fan writer. I thought, oh my, at least some people nominated me. And then the following year, I got nominated for fan writer for real. That was great. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, was, I think so. I know how you feel cool. about Lisa. Jesse's speechless. <laughs> I know how you feel. Jesse's just rewiring his brain right now yeah. about that he's a Hugo nominee. I've got um, a lot of squeaks and like weird noises, but no words. <laughs> uh, well, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm reading his bio and stuff like that. He, uh, he seems like. I mean, he seems kind of dumb. <laughs> just like, you know, what he's saying, or maybe naive. Maybe that's the way of putting it. Young. He's using the word communist because communist is the buzzword that conservatives use for people who are left of of Genghis Khan. So, I mean, he doesn't mean that we're actually communist Leninists or anything or Marxists. That means dead people who don't love us. (laughs) Did you just hit your own hand? I I slapped because I felt like I felt like it slapped, so I went slap. Okay. So yes, so he doesn't actually think that publishers are communists. It's just because they don't love conservatives like. Well, you know, being in Singapore, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird situation, right? Because it's a it's a dictatorship. And, uh, it is a dictatorship. I I have a good friend who lives in Singapore. Apparently, apparently, it's it's uh, you know, doing pretty well uh, economically. I guess I don't know, but uh, but you know, freedom wise, it's a hellhole. Well, there's a lot of those around the world. <laughs> well, yes, I'm not saying it's the only one, but it is an authoritarian nightmare. Uh, you know, yeah, there it goes. We, we got some of that up here too. There was a, a a leader of a very fringe party, political party, um, in Canada. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It was he's it, what's fun. Oh, his name's Maxime Maxime Bernier. Um, and he's he's like the he lost the conservative leadership nomination, so he started a new party. Um, and conservatives okay. have, have ruled Canada for a long time, right? So it's not a minor party he's splitting off from. But he um, he was touring in Manitoba, you know, trying to get interest in his political party. Um, and the cops were following him around uh, and issuing him tickets for you know attending group meetings with masks on outdoors and they eventually arrested him um that's that's kind of uh uh politically terrible considering you know there is no law uh federal law that um would supersede the right to do that uh, especially for a, a politician who's you know not famous across the country but a heard heard about in uh, <laughs> in every province right um yeah and that that kind of authoritarianism is is run through pr- the province, but it's not being you know we'll see what works its way through the court. But that that's like he's he's a famous guy in that he's a leader of a federal party, not a famous federal party, but that's kind of that's kind of whack. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not just the U.S. that's a political hellhole. Or Singapore, right? There's a lot of this going on around the world. So I, I don't know what the relationship this guy has to uh, reality, but it seems a, a little bit broken. 
Poor guy. Sad story. Sad puppy. I'm gonna put Sad uh, freedom wise. It's a hellhole on a t-shirt because that's freedom wise. Freedom wise. I know. You need to have. Yeah. You need to have two fonts. The freedom wise is you know like sort of Star Trekky happy and a colon and then hellhole is like on fire. <laughs> fire font. Nice. Um, I don't know something like maybe that. kind of gothic script. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, Fl- with a little bit of flame red. Uh, black background, maybe. I don't know. Blue background. You can make some money off this, Scott. Mm-hmm. Not, you won't make any huge. profits, but you're going to make some money. Huge. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Huge. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, I have uh, I have to get a COVID shot later today, so let's do a show, shall we? Let, 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 let us uh, go uh, into the river of time. Hey, save it. <laughs> We're almost there. We're almost there. <laughs> Not there yet, Paul. Okay. <laughs> What's the name of this book? Anubis. Yes. All right. Uh, Mercy, your mic working good? Yeah, I switched computers. <coughs> oh, okay. I, uh, I have two Snowball mics, and I tried them both, and they both won't work in the laptop that I use every wow. single time for this podcast. Yeah, that, so- that sounds to me like it's a power problem. Considering you've got two microphones plugged into a laptop, um, both of the microphones not working. Sounds like because it, it, it's it powered. That, it said the device, the USB device. Uh, what did it say? Not working. Malfunctioned. Yeah. So if you've got, if you've, you sound fine. You sound good. Yeah. Doesn't she sound good? Yes, I'm you on, do. I've, I've switched computers now. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm just, yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, that the power, since the power is going, is also the connector. Right, it's probably a power issue. If you had an external, like if you want to solve this in future, you might get an external USB hub that's powered and plug that into your computer and then plug your microphone into the hub. That may uh, solve the issue. And just my experience mm-hmm. that power Isn't is weird though that it works every single time fine and then just nothing's changed, you know. Yeah. I can't forces. remember who said it earlier, but there are dark forces at work in this one. <laughs> save, yeah. it. Hey. save it. Save it. Save it. Here we go. Here we go. Do you, do you yeah. ever feel like Jesse is your personal IT department on these things? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A very impersonal IT department. Only, only lectures you at the beginning of podcasts. Not available all the rest of life. All right. Um, Paul is, remember, Paul's job is not to tell... Uh, everybody, what order they're in? Since he took that on once. <laughs> Wait, it is my job or isn't? It, my it job? is. Oh, I so it's Jesse, Paul, Scott, I think, or maybe not. Jesse, Paul, yeah, yeah. Marissa. No, Jesse. No, no, no. Scott, Scott, Scott's still number three. So Jesse, Paul, Scott, Marissa, Will. All right, here Easy. we go. Easy peasy. And there's nobody else who was supposed to be on. Let me just confirm. So, um, I, 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 I was. You had an Evan question mark. I they, they, yeah, they, they, they missed the time window and are stuck. I'm pretty sure he's. I'm pretty sure are. he's not. Save it, Paul. Um, pretty sure he's not <laughs> joining us. All right, here we go. Uh, recorders on. Yes. Yeah. Wait. I'll make sure mine's on. Yeah, it's good. All right, here we go. So, seascape tattoo. I'll try and organize that sometime. I don't know how long it Niven is. Bar. Probably, Niven, probably Niven, fifteen Niven, hours Niven is my bar. guess. That's how long. No, wonderful. 
Okay, good. that'll be a nice relief. Then we get the troop so, by Nick Cutter. Oops, go yeah, go for it. I'm just making the list. On Lies, Lies of Loch Lamora, um, that's Victorian. No, no. it's it's okay. set in a secondary world, but it's uh, it's it's very Dickens-esque. Hmm. It's yeah, like late, I, I mean, Lankmar I mean, plus Dickens. Was like late eighteenth, late eighteenth, early nineteenth century, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. But but secondary world. It's it's definitely a secondary world, but it's um, it's fun. It's like Venice or uh, yeah, it, like they're canals. Yes, yeah. and, and it's fun. It's a canal fantasy. Mm. Well, well, that, well, that <laughs> them canal fantasies. <laughs> I, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's, it's a canal. It's like city. a portal fantasy, except wetter. <laughs> it's, it's a canal city. I mean, I'm surprised that Venice doesn't get more. Novels based on, I mean, I can think of a few, but I'm surprised that Venice isn't used more as a model for the fantasy city than other cities are. It's for, that's very strange to me. It seems it seems to be richer in some a richer thing in some ways, but you need to write a Roman fantasy set in Venice, uh, mm-hmm. Paul. Kind of mash it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to well, think you, of them. You, you, you know how Venice got founded, right? Uh, no, not at all. Okay, so there was a Roman city at the head of the river there, and it got pillaged and destroyed by Attila the Huns, and the survivors ran out into the marshes and decided to build there, and that to protect themselves because you know they figured the Huns wouldn't follow, and that became Venice. Wow! So they're basically refugees from the Huns founded Venice. What's the movie I'm thinking of that's set in Venice in like I don't know, 1500 or 1600? It's about a prostitute who learns to be a prostitute. Really good movie. Prostitute who learns to be a prostitute. Except they're all it's, a, so it's a kind of a coming of age story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a really good movie. I just can't remember the name of it. Uh, um, Dangerous Beauty. There it is. There we go. Yeah, I'll seen that. I, I've seen Dangerous Beauty. It's a good movie. Is it, even, movie. Is, is it available anywhere? It, no, it's not available on. Oh, it's not available on uh, on Amazon Prime. Okay. So. Ru will have it. I'll check. Okay. Ru. Dangerous Beauty. Um. Yeah. That it's not like a role playing game exactly, but it has that sort of you know induction into a into a. Uh, there is a. Is there a blue? There's no Blu-ray. I'm sure there is. That's that. DVD. No, there isn't. It's just a. It's a DVD and an HD DVD. Remember those? Yeah. Oh yeah, there was like a war between them and Blu-ray, but right. we don't talk Blu-ray. about that anymore. <laughs> but, but, but you know, there's there's used copy. Oh no, there's, the cover doesn't even look right. So no, so there is no there is no uh, Blu-ray of Dangerous Beauty. That's sad. Dangerous Beauty by movie. Warner Archive Collection by Marshall Herbsters. What? Uh, oh, the Warner. Oh, so the Warner. I know the Warner Archive. They bring old stuff back into. Uh, it's probably on a streaming the- service of some kind. Warner. I don't know. Whatever. It's not Maybe on Prime. like HBO. Maybe Max? on HBO Max. Maybe. I suddenly have a desire to rewatch Dangerous Beauty, and it's just it's fault. Hold on. I may not Hold be able on. to scratch it. And just check and make sure this doesn't have Russian overdubbing. Mm-hmm. Well, wow, beautiful. To, uh, I went to a packed movie theater last night. 
Oh, which one? Oh. I w- well, I went and saw the um, Black Marvel. Widow. Yeah. Oh, it I was saw that just, on It was just cool to be in a movie theater full of people. Yeah. Ours wasn't very full, mm-hmm. but it was like, yeah, it was neat to go back to the theater. Mm-hmm. Doesn't cool. even, that doesn't look... Big old tub of popcorn. That's, that's <laughs> screenshot there, but, you know. Yep. S- skip to about 22 minutes into this movie. Um, and you see li- a lot of library porn. See, to really seduce a man, you need to be well-read on books. <laughs> also, you need these high heels. I, I know, it's like, well, okay, I, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I mean, the, 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 courtes- the, the courtesans, as described, there are more hetera than courtesans, but, you know, it's, it's it, I mean... The scenery porn is also good because, you know, Venice. Yeah, I it's pretty, been to it's Venice, pretty movie. I'd like to go to Venice, but I've not been there. So uh, let me go through the list. you gotta go. You got to go there to do research for your novel, Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are there any waterfalls there? That's the real question. There are, there are no waterfalls <laughs> in, in Venice. In fantasy Venice, Venice, there's 20. Yeah. So seascape, well, seascape tattoos next week. Paul and Scott are on for that. That's a Sunday. Okay, it's a Sunday. What's that about? uh, Don't know. It's Larry Niven and Stephen Barnes. It's it's set in his Magic Goes Away with Pirates, I believe. Oh, that sounds good. So it's kind of like this, except uh, probably not as good, given that it's uh, Larry Niven. Not Powers? uh, And from 2016. He, He sort of loses powers. Yeah, he, 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 he has lost some momentum for sure, but hopefully, be hopefully be entertaining enough. But and then, well, the, the communists in publishing have taken his powers. Away. <laughs> that's true. That's uh, true. They're censoring him, Jesse. I think that's probably the right. The following two weeks. Oh my God! I'm not. The communists have won, and Larry Niven's just sitting around not doing anything about it. I don't know what's happening. Uh, isn't he like a majority race male who's not allowed to publish anymore? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe. I, or maybe yeah, just doesn't want to publish anymore. I don't know. Um, um, what is the last new Larry Niven novel that came out? Just a question. All right. So that says 2016. Um, then we've got The Troop. Um, this is a horror novel uh, set in Prince Edward Island about a bunch of uh, Boy Scouts who go on a Boy Scouting expedition and then, I assume, get slaughtered. I don't know. But, but you're doing it Saturday afternoon, so I can't. Yeah, 4 p.m. That's for yeah. uh, Connor. Uh, and then we're going to do for- the week after, same time, uh, The Watcher at the Threshold by John Bucken. This is, this is a plot to make me lose my lead. <laughs> I think you, you're like just so in the lead that that would be very hard. It'd be pretty hard. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I'm going to lose three weeks come September on my vacation, so you know I'm going to. It's going to get chipped away a bit. Who's 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 biting at your heels? Um, Scott, let me take a look. That's a good question. Uh, by, uh, Scott's biting at your heels from the past, though, because mm-hmm. he's yeah, on Scott so many is, early ones. Yes, I mean the only person in triple digits besides me is still Scott. So, mm-hmm. although Marissa, Marissa is getting there, so Marissa, Marissa is number three. I don't think she's going to catch up with you because she's not in as many as you are, just in general, right? She's just—I don't think she's like. If you looked at I'm the just, pace, I'm just slowly plodding along. Yeah, like, she's not the plotter. His heels, I'm oh, like always on the horizon. That's like, right. 
Yeah, here's so, so what you need to do is make sure that the three I'm gone and has Marissa in it. So well, then she'll kiss, kiss What we need to do is just make sure that Will shows up for every show consistently, sometimes twice a show. Um, and then he'll catch yeah, up to you. You would, you would love that, wouldn't you, Jesse? Um, <laughs> Twice a show. I mean, it'd probably be fun. But uh... okay, so, so 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 if I stopped, if I stopped today, it would take Will. Um, oh my God! It would take Will about three years to catch me. What if he creates three cars? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and I could, <laughs> I could each have like different opinions about the books too. Yeah, um, but, but, yeah, but but they see see we missed we we missed out talking about the cars and things. Mm. There's plenty more to talk about. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I was thinking my car might attend today, but he didn't. Um, no, no, no. But, but like like the, like the whole idea of the the magician car who goes back to 17th century and then takes the slow path. Oh God, God! Now now you make me think of stuff I missed. I mean, he takes <laughs> like uh, the Doctor Who episode Blink to get back to the 19th century and becomes that diseased uh, beggar guy. Oh, if you feel if you if it makes you feel better, Paul, I, I neglected to mention an episode of Batman Beyond where Rachel Ghoul takes over his daughter's body and like seduces Bruce Wayne. Awesome! What? I'm not, I get ah, my bad. It breaks my brain. That makes me. That also, but that, that makes me think of a, uh, of a uh, Lovecraft again. Who's the Who's the literary root for Raza Ghoul? Is it? I think it's. Is it? Um, do you mean like the author or the? No, no, no. Like it's it's a rip off like of. It would be like Denny O'Neill, but. No, no, it's Ra- a rip off of um, uh, Fu Manchu, right? Yeah, yeah. Raza Ghoul is basically Fu Manchu. Without That's what I thought. Race. Yeah, that's fun. Because they have a, he has a daughter too. I was gonna say they have a daughter. I don't, I don't think Fu, Fu Manchu Fu, is non-binary. <laughs> when when he's taking over his daughter's body. Um, yeah, is Evan non-binary or no? Um, I heard Paul call him by they pronouns before. Evan, he's, yeah. he's 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 only non-binary when he's having sex with someone. Somebody, I don't know. No, he's not non-binary. He, he just uses he/him pronouns, right? Okay. I, I, was like, Shit, I, I mean, I think he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> I'm saying. Evan, Evan's not only not Evan's not only male. He's fine as well. <laughs> um. Well, he, he's not on the show because his mom died recently. So oh, he's the, the, he's back the latest, in the states. The latest Larry Niven novel actually was. I don't know where they actually. It's a. It's a third Legacy of Harat novel that came out in 2020. It lists Larry Niven, the late Jerry Parnell, and Stephen Barnes as authors. Okay. So, so is Stephen Barnes writing these books at this point? I, I Stephen wonder. Barnes has been but, he's but, been writing for a long time with Niven. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, because they they wrote um, the Dream Park novels together yeah. and a couple other things. Um, so. So I think maybe Stephen Barnes is kind of like stepped up to what Jerry Cornell used to be, and now maybe mm, I, don't know. I don't know. There's there's another guy who did. Uh, I I think I wrote a review of his his Larry Niven col- collaboration, and I was like, Gregory Ben. No, it was it was the it was a, like a dish shaped thing, but and it was mostly written not by Niven, I think, and that was my complaint. A dish shaped what dish? I don't know dish shaped. Uh, Half, half, uh, 
half Dyson Sphere or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Gregory Bedford, Bowl of Heaven. Was it Bowl of Heaven? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's Greg, ben- Greg Benford and... Yeah, Gregory yeah. Benford, who I who I hate for what he did by ripping off his own book and not saying it and sticking into another novel completely. It's like, wait, you're ripping off your own book. How does that, how does that work? He basically just transplanted it into, a, into the foundation novel he did. He basically transplanted the bulk of an entire different short story, not in the foundation universe, and stuck that into foundation. It's like, yeah, that, uh, well, the, those are works for hire, right? Practically. Yeah, but but still, it's like I. That's that's the something. communist for you, Paul. I mean, I was reading. The book. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to blame the communists for everything. Jeez, I should do this more. Start off fine. It's like what the hell? I read this story, and then I look up. Yeah, I read this story. It's like, well, I know how this ends. It's like I could skip half this book now. If he's changed the names of the characters, that's all he did. Or just read a different book, it's fine. Yeah. I, did, I, I haven't read a Gregory Benford novel since. So, uh, I want to just finish off this schedule, make sure everybody knows what's going on. Marissa, I don't know when you're next scheduled. Oh, yeah, yeah Cats of Althar. Uh, um, it looks like I'm no, on Marissa's on Troop. Well. You're going to be what? On Troop. On Troop? What's that mean? Oh, you're on Troop? The Troop. The Troop. He's okay, the good, troop. good, good, good. Okay. Yeah. All right, um, uh, the Cats of Ulthar, then we've got uh, Mac Reynolds, and then um, after Paul's um, absence, I can't remember where he's going. Um, Oregon. Oregon, he right? The Oregon awesome. Trail. He will die of Oregon. dysentery. Um, <laughs> Are you, uh, you died of dysentery. Paul, or do you have a destination? I, 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 I have a number of destinations in Oregon. Basically, I'm yeah. going to hit Portland and then make a counterclockwise trip around Portland. I'm nice. going around, around Oregon and then come back out again. Cool. I, I want to s- invite people to suggest things that are relatively short in between uh, 05, 12, and 19 because um, I, I'm too many novels back-to-back is making me uh, crazy. I could suggest that. Long novels. Them, so I'm not sure that's <laughs> Well, the, the problem with that is they might be troll suggestions. Hey, Jesse, you're going to really Jesse, like this I, book 12 Jesse, in a series. How you know me, Jesse? <laughs> I don't know. Long time. Long you, you don't remember how long you know me. Would I do that to you? What, what were you saying, Marissa? Uh, did you ever find a Robert Aikman story? I feel like... Hmm. You, no. I think, it, I think the problem was he's just not public domain enough. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the issue. Let me just check my, my uh, schedule there. Or not scheduled, the PDF page. I haven't been working much on it. I've been working too much. I don't like that. I don't like you'd uh, had this vague memory of you finding one of his stories let earlier, me, but maybe I dreamed that. Uh, maybe. Let me look. Aikman. A-I-C-K? No, nothing. Hmm. Yeah, I think the problem is he's just too recent. How do, you, mm-hmm. how do you spell his last name? A I C K M A N. Yeah. Yeah. M A N. Yeah. Oops. Name. Name. Okay. Uh, Robert Aikman. Death date nineteen eighty one. So not nothing's Canadian public domain. His early stuff is uh, begins in fifty one. And I think he's from the UK, right? Makes it a little harder. Uh, okay. The insufficient answer is his first 
thing. It's a novelette, which is a nice length. Girls Night Out, 29 female vampire stories. Hmm, maybe we are for the dark. Is that the book that that I looked up before? Ah, it's UK publication. It's very hard to clear UK books. Because oh, they don't they don't show up in the U.S. database, and they have some sort of um, treaty at this point. When is this uh, sixty five? It's it's extraordinarily hard for UK stuff. I don't know why. I mean, I, I do know why. I just don't know why it has to be that way. It's not fair. <laughs> not fair. <laughs> okay. Um, so, well, we don't we we do have some time in between. Um. And then uh, talking with uh, Paul and thinking about it before we're talking about this Starship Mutiny series. Um, we'll just do the Starship Mutiny first book. But um, I read the whole series at one point, and uh, I, you know, I think you'll like it if anybody wants to read it. I'm, ho- I'm hoping. It's um, it's basically it's Star Trek except uh, the Federation's uh, more like. Uh, the United States Evil Empire, and Captain Cisco or whoever's running this ship says, "I rebel," and he, he basically sets up a rebellion against uh, the Evil Empire. And it's almost all dialogue. Say again. Rubus Gates was listed in the bottom of things we might do. I the story Oh yeah. Done it. Yeah, we don't need to have it. I'm, uh, I'm doing some research to find us some stuff on LibriVox, maybe. Yeah, there's lot, there's lots now available, but I, I'm, I'm not read everything. It's surprising. There's a lot of new stuff, and there's new audiobooks coming out all the time. You want to do something by Ray Cummings? Um, well, I'd like you to make sure it's good because I don't want to poop on it. But yeah, Ray Cummings well, I mean, is uh, I think an, it, an old guy. From the old days, pre-communist days. <laughs> yeah, back when you could have like real things in your uh... no adventure, and men and women were equally respected, regardless. Men of were the... real men, women were real men, women and <laughs> women were real men. Minorities were real minorities. Um, <laughs> um, well, let's see. This is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. It's like four hours long. What's it called? It's Jetta of the Lowlands. All right. What do you know about it? Um, uh, it's like this, like, gosh, I used to actually know the plot of this. Now I'm like, hold on, let me, let me find click on the uh, online text here. Astounding. Uh, oh, this is the whole issue. Okay, uh, Fantastic and Sinister are the lowlands into which Philip Grant descends on his dangerous assignment. All right, so the the setting is futuristic with a semi-lawless uh, setting created in the aftermath of a major ecological event. The story is a crime thriller and romance in a, sing- in a pseudo-gunslinging Western-style setting. A U.S. government agent is sent on a secret mission in 2020 to one of the new countries created as a result of a massive drop in the ocean level to investigate smuggling. Sounds fun. I'm sold. Yeah. Listen to this. Open open sentence of chapter one, the secret mission. I was 25 years of age that May evening on 2020 when they sent me south into the lowlands. That sounds good. I'm, I'm sold. Yeah, I like. It was like something that when I was checking out stuff for like my Planet Stories podcast, which I will 
do in the future. I just Good. need to make plans to do it. Um, uh, that I like noticed and wanted to do, but it's not Planet Stories. So, how's the narrator on this? Did you have a listen? Oh, let me. Uh, the narrator is um, it's a single narrator, which is good, but I didn't. It's it's his. Richard Kilmer. So we sounds should, familiar. We should we should play a little bit of it. To, yeah, do it. He's got dulcet tones. I'll take it. You put plug it in the day you want. It's um, only like three or four hours, right? It's four hours. Yeah, so totally doable. Yeah, I can listen to another do, uh, podcast instead of just just uh, editing these ones up and listening to audiobooks for it. <laughs> I, I, right, do, I don't I, think I have editing privilege. I don't think I have. Oh, uh, really? That's wrong. Yeah. It is what day do you Jesse. want? I, I can add you. Uh, September 5. Are you the mouse? Anonymous hyena? Probably. I, I don't know. Uh, here, I'll just, I'll just, I'll am. just, I'm going to add you by, how do I add, add people? What's your email address? Will.emmons at gmail.com. Will.emmons. There you are. Knowing your tie, editor, send. Okay, when you hit refresh, you should be able to... Hey, I'm going to run, you guys. Um, Thank you, Scott. Right, take care, man. Um, how are you doing on... See everybody, or how you everybody. D- Scott, yeah. you doing good on uh, RSDs? Do I need to send you anything? No, I'm good. I'm going to okay, be good. editing tomorrow. Excellent, sir. Thank you very much. Okay. We, we have take a care, show. Uh, this w- Thursday, we had... Uh, uh, this Wednesday, we had two shows. One is very long, and one is very short. Fix them. Okay. <laughs> Just swap in <laughs> random words to make them even length, okay? Here. Thank no you. Problem. So we yeah, had our work. Break them in half. Okay, Bye. I'm going to skip out as well. Um, Alrighty. But I will. I'll, I'll keep my eyes open for some Aikman. In two weeks. Sounds good. All right. Later. Okay. Bye, Bye, Marissa. Marissa. Bye. Bye, Marissa. I'm looking forward to that. Seascape tattoo. I don't know. We'll see. Version of it though. That's sad. What? What are you looking for? Oh, because I was looking through LibriVox, and unfortunately, it's not in public domain. What are you talking I was about? Thinking of a William, I was thinking of a William Penn story. What's it called? A Liberation of Earth. Uh, yeah, it's not public domain, sadly. Pretty it's sure it's a I good story. Ah, uh, it is a good story. Liberation of Earth. Pretty sure I checked on this one before. I mean, I would want to be on such a show. Here I am finding something I would want to be on instead. But, you know, well, you're trying to make yourself jealous, you know? God damn those guys for taking taking up my idea and doing it without me. How dare they? All right. What year did it come out? Wow. Um, ISFDB is so slow. Or 53. Yeah. What magazine? Oh, um, my God. Future science fiction, maybe. It's so slow. Yep. Future science fiction. Yeah. This site can't be reached. That's great. ISFDB has serious problems. Okay. But that doesn't help your problem of finding stories. Short, sto- short, short stories that Paul won't be here for. Copy or search. Desktop. Copyright. Renewals. Author. Magazine renewals. Control F. 
liberation of Earth. Down by next. Nope, doesn't say it has it. Maybe it is. Maybe it's... Okay. Maybe it has another title, though. I need to... Okay, here it is. Liberation of Earth, May 53. Future science fiction. Future science... Nothing? That sounds fake. Periodical renewal. Future science... Okay, it says no renewals in future science. That's good. Okay, uh, what's a Philip class? Maybe it'll control F. Ten, William. Find. Wow. Okay, class. K L A S S. Find. Okay. No, that's the wrong guy. German guy. German guy. German guy. And class. Okay. Philip class. I'm going to add P-H-I. This is not a classic outfit. Wow, maybe it is public domain. Why Why would I know that it wasn't? If it, Okay. A resident of Earth in the future looks back at Earth's many successive liberations by either side of an interstellar war between two alien powers. This is a Will book. Have you read this one, yeah. Will? No, I haven't. It, it's but, a short story. Yeah, it's it, good. It, it's a... Cl- it is probably one of the the two classic short William Ten stories. That one and maybe um, Eastward Ho, which is also a favorite of mine. One but one I, one clearance at a time. But here's the problem: yeah. I don't think. Oh fuck this website. It's anyways. Um, I don't think um there's an audiobook of it anyways. But I I do have an audiobook of it. But I don't think it it's not public. The audiobook's not public domain. The liberation oh. of Earth was. Sad story. Well, you, as long as you can narrate it, Paul. Image. Um, only if it was uh, really truly public domain. I'm, don't tempt me. You're so paranoid. You think I'm going to lie to you about this? If no, it's you. Public you domain. Lie, is that oh like no, there it is. Getting, getting, getting. Oh no, that's you. some other guy's. Yeah, Jesse doesn't make mistakes. Once per year. But wait, Project... Oh, that's self-publishing. Okay. Why um, is this website so oh, goddamn slow? The Brooklyn Project is also... I mean, it's probably not public domain either, but the Brooklyn Project is also another classic 10. Nothing has changed! Okay. That's the last line. Liberation Earth. Okay, so it does have some spelling. Oh, it's added the to the title. And it's on the cover. That's interesting. Orban. Okay, who's... Uh, oh, so Damon Knight's in here. He... Oh, no. That's a review of... Jack Vance. That'll be in here. Um, he will have re- renewed. Ecological Onslaught is the name of the story in here. He will re- renew that. Ecological. Ecological. Down. Gynecological. <laughs> okay. O N find nope wow yeah maybe it is I'm gonna look into this and maybe a Jack Vance story oh wait the world in between he might have renewed it under that title hmm 
Try Vance. Jack. Oh. Are you telling me there's no Jack Vance's in here? This. I what, cannot be correct. Works? Now on the copyright renewal database. Advance. Um, Vance. Maybe? I don't know. It was by his full name, Jacqueline. Yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah, just yeah. finding Vance with a comma would be. Impressive, and I'm not finding Vance. I'm sure. Okay, no, that's Advance. Vance Lewis Joseph. Okay, Jack. Nothing. Okay, I'm gonna look for the Moon Moth. That'll show up. Yep, because we've done that. Have you read the Moon Moth yet? Well, no, I haven't. It's really good. It is. Probably my favorite Jack Vance story. It is so Jack Vancey. So Jack Is it like when you say it's like so Jack Vancey, what do you mean by that? I mean it's it has got alien planet, weird customs, masks excellent language, masks, well the you know, Murder mystery. Strange strange cultures, people people being dumped in the deep end of those cultures and having to survive. And were you on um you were on the uh, our Jack Vance one recently, weren't you? I don't think you was. I don't think so. I think oh. I missed that one for reasons. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, that was back in. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was when I was out of commission. The. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. So, but yeah, you were in the penalty box. Yeah, I get. I gotta go to the penalty box sometimes. Um, but uh, for being a communist. <laughs> <laughs> for being a communist, and I'm I'm in control of publishing. That's you know right. I mean? Thank and you. I, I I'm just keeping I'm just keeping everybody out. Why Why are you so uh, you're such a gatekeeper? Such a gatekeeper. Yeah, I love that. Like, I love how like some people are really like some of the like like right wing fan culture is really about how like there isn't enough gatekeeping. Needs to be more gatekeeping. Uh, like there's just too much there's there's anybody's allowed in and it's like a real problem how dare you let those yeah non-communists in yeah like if we um yeah there's this guy named like daddy Warpig or something oh god no who like i like i followed him for a while just because you want to like know what the opposition is saying or whatever but he had this like yeah i mean it's it's interesting because like yeah they like just like they were like it was like the socialists ruined science fiction but it was also like like they're also against like joseph campbell or something uh, like yeah i i put the um issue of um future science fiction into the chat it's uh oh it's stop loading never mind yeah i've seen that warpig tweet Twitter accounts show up some sometimes. I don't know what. Nothing pretty I've seen sure. that w- made sure it worthy of a follow. Pretty sure. Yeah, he mostly just like tweeted like, like he's one of those people who you know how people like to like tweet like really like uh, tweets about how like others are bad so that they can like 
gain like clout. That's how I get my clout. You, you like you like so rarely tweet about how others are bad. I I tweeted a, a story about a cannibal boy yesterday. <laughs> Maybe it's the baby. Yeah, club. yeah, no, right. Like you're you're like out there like tw- like tweeting pictures of bears. Um, yeah, did you see that bear bear fight? Tree bear fight. No, I didn't. So wait, so I I I didn't get a question answered earlier in that. So are your are your students like? You're cutting out. Oh, oh, so your students are they drawing roof bear as well now? I I I forced them to draw roof bears. Yes. (laughs) Did you see the uh, the um, the fantasy islands they drew? Um. Wait, so are they good at drawing roof bears? Yeah, I mean, everybody loves to draw roof bears, and I taught them how to do it. So, here's, um, uh, yeah, if you just go back a few hours in my, or a few tweets in my timeline, there's, um, pictures of, uh, on Coffee Cat's imaginary Geoland Fortress Island, she has a coffee castle, a volcano, three icy zeniths, an archipelago, and two harbors. Okay, oh, so I think I had I had a miscommunication with some friends of mine, and they're going to be at my house sooner than I thought oh, they were to look oh, okay. at some cats. So I got to get off the no worries. I got to get off the the horn, but um, the horn. I'll um let's uh we can chit chat more about filling those gaps later. Sure, sounds right. good. Thank you. All right, good chatting with you both. Yep. Talk to you later. What's Paul doing for hey, the rest I, of the day? Paul has gaming this evening. The rest of the day, I've got to get some chores done, including going to the store and getting groceries. So, Paul, 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 Paul probably should get on that action. Are you uh, finding everybody wearing masks in the grocery store? Um. Oh, I got. I most people aren't wearing masks anymore, especially really? at work. Yeah. And I got into it with my. I got into it with the CEO of the company over this. You were wearing one, and he wasn't. And, well, he asked, well, how long do you keep wearing masks? As yeah. long as I want to hide my face. <laughs> so that did, so that was not, that was not, that was super not great. I yeah. told him the truth and I, he didn't like it. Truth I is told painful. him the unvarnished truth. So if I need a new job soon, then <laughs> Well, apparently you're laugh, indispensable. Apparently you're indispensable, though. I'm not indispensable. It's just nobody else wants to do my job. It's not quite the same thing. I see. Well, but you know, so it goes. I believe the phrase is "so it goes." I haven't read that book. I'm surprised you have. I don't like. Read Kurt, that book. I don't like Kurt Vonnegut. You, you, <coughs> you ever read? Uh, speaking of Niven, I gotta go soon. Uh, you ever read Niven and Pornell's Inferno? Yeah, I did a show on it. I'm pretty sure I did. Oh, yep. They they put Vonnegut into hell, which is oh. kind of like, wow, that was a take that. Oh, that makes sense. And, and, and above, and, and above the platoon he's trapped in in hell says, "So it goes." So, yeah, of course. Just in case you, case you didn't get get the reference. I also read the sequel too, the relatively recent sequel compared. I I have not read the the Inferno sequel. Yeah, I don't want it to ruin my memories of the original. Eh, yeah, it wasn't as good. <laughs> I don't remember I, it at all. I, I figured that's how that was going to go. Yeah. Anyway. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and I will talk to you on the internet or 
PUBG or something. Yep, yep. Um, speaking of which, there's a big update. Um, yeah, you told the me. New map. You told me there's yeah, update. but you have to update before you can do it. And I don't know when I'll be back here, but um, it'll probably be tomorrow night or tonight. So, oh, but you'll be playing uh, tonight. Whatever. I gotta go you, pee and get a shot. Yes, yes. Get get your get your vaccination, sir. Uh, I guess I will. You should. I want you to live. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably die in a car accident on the way there. It's that way oh, it works. God I might get run over by a squirrel with a semi truck. Don't know how how these Fight roads are. Up here. Could be a bear fighting for another fighting another bear for a stop a spot at the bus stop. Also, it's a bear I'm action sure you, going on. I'm sure you can show me the bears when I get finally get to Vancouver. Not this trip. No, but just drive down the road and watch out. <laughs> Walking yeah. down the roads. All right. Talk All right. to you later. Take care. Bye-bye. See you, too.